Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode four of the Simple to Understand podcast. I am your host, Dean Douglas. My guest today is a good friend of mine, Angelo Lamson. Angelo was born in 1990 in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and from an early age took interest in the arts. From being in Sisler's Most Wanted Urban Dance Group back in high school, to being in musicals and busting out moves as a young kid during family gatherings, music and dance always interested him. In this episode, Angelo walks us through his evolution of dance and provides bits of history along the way around his favorite genres, popping, locking, tutting, and more. We also talk about money-saving tips regarding textbooks, being a student, lessons learned from failing in business, various jobs we've had over the years, and what it's like to be a professional rapper. Angelo, aka Joe Boy Rock, and his cousin Andrew, who also goes by Cortex, partnered up in 2016 to become the rap duo known as Machina 2, where this past summer they had the opportunity to open up for swollen members during their 2018 family reunion tour. If you're a fan of the more old-school hip-hop, then you should enjoy this Winnipeg group making moves in the Canadian rap and hip-hop scene. I highly encourage listeners to check them out, and they can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and more. Plus, check out their Facebook page for upcoming performances. I've also added their profile links and relevant show notes to www.simpletounderstand.com, where you'll also be able to find out all other relevant links that we discussed in this episode. So go on over there and check it out. It's there for you guys. And that's it. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with the one and only Angelo Lamson. All right, Angelo, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. What's up, man? <laughs> What's up, I'm buddy? so excited, man. I'm so jittery because I'm excited for this. <laughs> and it's just you and I talking in the basement. <laughs> it's nice. Thanks. I'm glad that we're able to finally get together and catch up. And so let's just dive right into it. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Maybe uh, let's let's rewind the clocks and just start with where were you, where were you born? Uh, so where, where I was born, I was born here in Winnipeg, uh, according to my mother, Misericordia <laughs> Hospital. Um, she was actually pregnant when she was on her way here, um, when she was on the plane. So I okay. was like, kind of, I guess, made in the Philippines and like kind of <laughs> imported. <laughs> <laughs> he made the long trip. Yeah. So I was, I was like really fly when I was <laughs> not even born yet. <laughs> yeah, you're really fly. I love that. Uh, so you were born in Winnipeg. Yeah. And uh, so what was your childhood like growing up in Winnipeg? Yeah, I grew up in, uh, I was born in 1990 and grew up in the North End. Uh, so I went to Faraday Elementary School. Um, which is named after a scientist, I believe, magnetism type stuff. Um, yeah, so I grew up in the North End and was just like a normal kid listening to uh, boy bands, <laughs> NSYNC, <laughs> Backstreet Boys. <laughs> yeah, was man. super into that. Um, yeah, just a normal kid. And then like went to uh, junior high and Isaac Newton, another scientist. Yeah. And then went to uh, Sisler for high school. And yeah, that's 
I don't know. I don't know what to say about my childhood because it, it seems like really normal to me. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And music, when, when did you start listening to music? Because that's definitely going to be an area that we will dive into in yeah. this interview. Yeah, I was listening to music ever since I was little. Um, my dad used to have, I think they were cassettes or they must have been like cassettes. But he used to play Elvis, yeah. uh, Michael Jackson, and Beatles. Nice. All, like, uh, all the time. So he, he would usually play it in the morning, and um, I would listen to it, and I would just, like, you know, being a chubby little <laughs> Filipino kid, just, like, start dancing to it and stuff. <laughs> so that's really, like, how I started. So I, I kind of owe a lot uh, of, like, I guess, music taste and stuff to my parents, especially my dad, because he would just play it in the morning. And I'm like, oh, cool, this is cool. And just, like, intuitively start moving to it, uh, just, like, how kids usually are right yeah so. yeah that's awesome i you and i like the uh, i think a lot of similar taste in music obviously we both like rap hip-hop uh r&b i did not grow up with with parents listening to that music at all uh i don't know even how i discovered rap hip-hop i got into like the hardcore stuff like really young (laughs) and i think i just gravitated to the beats and i just like that was the music that that i just like felt you know it just like really spoke to me i listened to backstreet boys so let me back up i didn't grow up this hardcore gangster or anything but i did listen to uh yeah huge backstreet boys fan Shout out to Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Wait, way back. When, when were you born? Like, how old are you? 88, 1988. Eight, okay, so, so a couple yeah. years older than me. So yeah. Probably yeah. a little bit more mature than me <laughs> at certain points. <laughs> same taste of music. Same taste of music. Uh, so then, okay, so you credit your dad for the music surrounding that you had growing up. And yeah. then um, what else other activities were you into when you were a wee tyke? Um, I think it was mostly video games. Um, I remember at a garage sale, my parents picked up uh, the old school Nintendo system, like the original Nintendo. Yeah. And um, I was super excited, even though like at that point, like Sega Genesis was like the big thing or whatever. Like there, there were these more advanced gaming consoles, but yeah. my parents uh, were thrifty and <laughs> decided to get the uh, Nintendo. Um, and it had this, uh, it had this like this case thing where it had all the cartridges. Mm. So it was, it was it was pretty cool, and I was pretty good at Duck Hunt. <laughs> I was, like, really good. Like, it was weird as a kid. I was, like, super far away as far as the the cord would reach. Yeah. And then I would just be shooting, like, those ducks. Yeah, it was really <laughs> it was really good. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of grew up in a, a bit of, like, a gaming <laughs> uh, environment, but it was, like, throwbacks already at that point. Yeah. <laughs> no, no money for the same Genesis, just the... Uh, original Nintendo and then I had a Game Boy um, I was into basketball as I I started getting more into basketball in junior high because I played for Philippine League okay uh, just a basketball league for like kids and stuff and uh, then I started getting into more of like the music and dance type stuff as I was transitioning into high school um, junior high I already kind of had that kind of um like uh, I, I I was I was going into that a little bit because I went to Isaac Newton. It was a performing arts kind of like junior high. Um, I kind of knew a couple 
dance moves. And then once I got to high school, uh, I joined like the dance team and there was a dance class that was actually a credit and um, learned a little bit there. And then after high school, that's when I just like learned all the stuff that I know today, which is the particular styles. So popping, locking, um, some, some hip hop. Um, and yeah, so I forgot what your original question was. <laughs> okay, it was just what activities you got into as as a as a young kid. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So it was like it was kind of like basketball, and then it moved over to more of like uh, performing arts type stuff. So I was like in I was in a musical, well, a couple musicals in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a lot of yeah, different type things, choir, all this kind of stuff. I was always into like the arts. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of different routes that we could take from from that answer. <laughs> that was good. Um, so let's just back up. I know for those who for those who are listening, this podcast can get picked up anywhere in the world. Um, Winnipeg, and correct me if I'm wrong, has the largest population of. Uh, Filipinos outside of the Philippines is in Winnipeg. Yeah, that, that's pretty accurate. Um, I think I heard some kind of stat uh, that was like there's like fifty thousand uh, Filipinos in Manitoba, and yeah, there are a lot of Filipinos here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. Like you could just go into. You could probably just go into any kind of business and start speaking Tagalog, like which is the Philippine language, and yeah. then people, some people <laughs> like start talking with you. Um, yeah, it's crazy. There's a lot. Like, uh, I think that just started with the garment business, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, because my my parents uh, came here when they needed garment workers, so they so they were working on like gloves and like I don't know clothes and stuff like sewing and everything and then um from there all those people sponsored other people in the Philippines that came over and because of the sponsorship program or programs in Manitoba it just like allowed a lot of people to come and uh I guess take or take up jobs that other people weren't willing to take Mm -hmm. uh, for the Canadian dream yeah and yeah I just kind of built up over time because my my uncle came here in the seventh I think in the seventies. Yeah. And then he was probably one of the first people <laughs> I'm thinking that, that came here, like who were, was Filipino. Yeah. And then, um, he kind of helped out my mom and then my mom helped out like a bunch of other people and yeah. it's like a snowball effect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I know for me growing up, uh, I went to private Catholic schools, kindergarten okay. all the way to grade 12. So I went to, uh, Christ the King, uh, school, which is on St. Anne's road in I guess it's kind of St. Patel-ish area and then I went to Holy Cross and oh, that's where that's where it is that's where the that's, are man that's where it began that's where it began it was awesome and <laughs> I loved I was only there for two years grade seven and eight and they had a big performing arts presence and I loved going to Holy Cross and it was pretty much split 50-50 of like white and mixed and then Filipino. And mm. um, I, in terms of like school and like fun, grade seven and eight were just the best. And same thing I got into, uh, there's two plays in grade seven and eight. One was The Wiz, 
which was a take on the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. In grade seven, I was a yellow yellow brick road dancer. And nice. that was, I guess, my uh, taste into... I was like, God damn, all these Filipinos can dance. They all got moves. <laughs> and uh, and everyone's like, who's this white guy that's got moves? Like it was pretty fun. So that was that was kind of my first taste and it was it was a lot of fun. And then grade eight was uh, Once Upon a Mattress, or it was a take on like the princess and the pea. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get the male lead in that and it was just it was so much fun uh so i we both share that uh similar interest in performing arts i think in general which is awesome it's funny that you mentioned the whiz because like i'm using a song um for one of my classes uh it's a routine and they're doing locking to um ease on down the road oh okay yeah yeah you got another song yeah um and yeah it's just kind of trippy how you mentioned that and like oh yeah i'm using one of the songs from there and <laughs> right now yeah yeah it's for wow. it's for my class so, so my students are are, are locking to that <laughs> nice <laughs> to that song that's awesome um so dancing uh so you got into dance in high school that was your yeah well, i mean first uh, <clears throat> um going back to like even when my dad was playing music in the house as like a young child mm-hmm. uh I would just like move around and stuff and then there's like all these socials and parties seventh birthdays all this stuff with like the Filipino community and they would they would always have like uh, music playing at these things mm-hmm. and then you just like I would just bust out and um, and like there's this song Icky Breaky Heart yeah <laughs> it's for people who don't know right <laughs> um, and I would like just dance to that song like crazy just to go ape shit like <laughs> start slapping my thigh like once I got, I got going I, like I, I went for a while I remember one time I did like a whole solo just doing like f- like freestyling not even I didn't know anything about like dance right just doing random stuff yeah um, but it was like a like a solo there's nobody else on the floor or some something and then I was like dancing to Icky Breaky Heart by myself <laughs> everybody just watching at like Marigold or so, some kind of venue like that yeah yeah um yeah. Um, so, anyways, um, so I, I was like already kind of like moving. Then, then grade seven came along at junior high, and then um, at Isaac Newton, you get to make your own dance, uh, like choreograph your own dance. So, what I drew from at that point were a lot of music videos. Right, Justin Timberlake just had kept come out with a solo uh, project. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Sean Desmond was just came out at that 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 point in time. Um, and so I would just draw from all these music video things, Usher and, you know. Oh, all, Usher. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. He had the moves. It was all about biting <laughs> Usher at that, at, that, at that point. So we choreographed uh, our own dances uh, there. And then um, high school came along, learned some of the jazz and um, ballet stuff. And uh, Oh, so you dabbled in that too. Yeah, because that was part of the dance program, like where you take it for a credit. Yeah. Uh, like it's an actual class. Uh, so you got to test all the different genres of um, some of the more like classical genres, right? Like, yeah. So and they also did some uh, like musical theater type stuff, as I was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, and then I, I I was I was in I was part of the dance team's SMW Sisters Sisters Most Wanted, mm-hmm. and um, learned like I'll call it urban choreography. I don't want to call it hip hop because there's a <laughs> There's some politics there. I don't know if you want to get into that later, but anyways. We can definitely get into um, it, yeah. Yeah, it was like urban choreography type stuff. So 
like with the street feel and everything. And then I didn't even learn the styles that I teach today until the end of like near the end of 2008, like the fall of 2008. I took a workshop uh, that was um, John Serlo was teaching. It was like locking, popping at uh, Nafro. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've been to that dance studio. No, I haven't. It's in uh, Osborne Village. Okay. And just uh, if I could hit yeah, pause just for a sec. So everything that we're going to be talking about, all the like songs, different uh, styles of dance, dance studios maybe that we mentioned in Winnipeg, everything will be linked up in the show notes and everyone can oh, find shoot. it on my website or blog so it's uh, www.simpletounderstand.com and everything that we talk about you can find it all packaged up nicely and linked up properly so any places that we mention or whatever people oh, will be able sweet. to find it after so feel free to name drop and that's a great idea man that's yeah a great idea awesome giving shout outs to all these <laughs> yeah cool places absolutely so yeah I, I took uh, the workshop it was like a 10 week or like 12 week program type thing and that's when I started learning about locking and popping and then he would give me sources Serla would give me sources on like what stuff to check out and then from there that's when I learned all these um, started learning these dance styles that I teach today and can you spell his name Cirillo Uh, Serla so it's a his first name is John J-O-N and then last name Serla S-U-R-L-A okay nice yeah the real ones know about him. He was like super, <laughs> super involved back in the day. R- right now, he's doing a lot of um, like he's a, g- a great host. So mm-hmm. he's like an MC for like certain events and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is there's a, an event coming up on February twenty second at Park Theater. It's called Who's the Illest? It's a battle, and I'll be judging. So nice. Yeah. Who's the illest? Yeah, I like that. Right on. And then, uh, so maybe let's jump post high school. And what did you do after high school? Um, high school, I went to Red River College, uh, which was a kind of a culture shock. It's, it's kind of a side thing, but um, at Sister, there was a lot of Filipinos, right? Like a lot of like a lot of Filipinos, probably like 80 percent Filipinos. Yeah, and then twenty or thirty percent um, other other um, ethnicities. And then when I went to Red River College, at that point, it was like. A lot of white people, <laughs> a lot, and I was kind of like, "Oh, this is kind of this is kind of weird, right?" Because just from going, and also I guess the change, the shift in like how high school is and then co- how college is, is different. Um, but that was a culture shock, um, and I and I did dance uh, at like they would have like keggers and stuff, and I just do like um, some stuff there. Um, yeah, at one point I told DJ Dilo who was. Uh, spinning at one of the one of the keggers like hey, play some James Brown and then like there's a there's a photo of me uh, 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 dancing and then like DJ Dilo is like right in the background which this is like like ten maybe ten or nine years ago um, yeah so I went to Red River College uh, kept learning the style and everything graduated um, a little bit later in two thousand end of two thousand eleven uh, I guess beginning of two thousand twelve. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's what I did like for the three years out of high school. And what'd you graduate in? Uh, business administration, uh, my major was marketing. And that is where 
you and I first met. Yeah. It was in college. Yeah. And uh, I was one of those white people that you're like, oh, damn. <laughs> What's it, what is this? <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Red River was uh, speaking on, like, my personal experience. Yeah really uh enjoyable really liked it i did a year and a half at u of m and out of high school and i just didn't really like it the theory based learning i wanted learning i wanted to learn something that was really practical and hands-on and that was Mm. something that i thought red river delivered on and does deliver on and it's uh I also like the shorter time frame of uh, getting in and out of post-secondary education yeah. and uh, all the instructors had real life experience teaching whatever subject they were teaching and they, they worked in the field doing whatever they were, whatever subject they were, they were teaching. On. Right. Yeah. Um, I thought you were always like a pretty good student. Like you, <laughs> you'd always be like, you were pretty like, um, yeah, hardcore. <laughs> With the, with the studying, which is good. <laughs> I mean, I, I should probably like <laughs> I should have probably taken more on like your side of stuff. So, so I would have would have like graduated maybe earlier. But I don't know. Um, when did you start in at Red River? Like two thousand nine or? Uh, would it, well, first, thank you. That's that's really nice compliment. I'm, no, I don't think I've like, ever been complimented you'd be like on super studying. Nice, and then like I gotta study, and then you would like study or whatever, and then you'd be like totally into it, and then like, hey, Dean, what are you doing? And, like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm working on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Which, but was super cool. It was like you had like this switch, like you had, um, you'd be like, okay, cool. This is like this is like a like a not friendly mode but it's like a, you know like socializing mode and then you switch off and then you like go to the other thing which is cool that's I wish I admired a lot <laughs> that's actually really good to know I didn't know that I had that so that's that's encouraging I think it just spoke to actually me enjoying what I was learning I think I was able to do that more because I really enjoyed it definitely in high school elementary junior high if there's things that I didn't think that I needed to learn I it was like pulling teeth trying to learn that subject because I'm like oh well like science and math for me I was just like oh I'm not going to use this when there was like formulas of like science calculations on the board and like chemistry I remember asking a teacher in high school what are we going to use that for and the teacher was frustrated and just trying to get through the class and then had to deal with this student asking this question was like well maybe if you need to like balance the pH levels in your pool, then you can use you can use this calculation to figure it out. And I'm like, that's a good attempt in my head. I was like, that's a good attempt. But if I own a pool, I'm just gonna hire somebody to right. <laughs> fix whatever needs to get <laughs> fixed. But anyways, it's, that's it's, yeah. I mean, it's a legitimate question, right? It is. Yeah, so yeah, um. yeah. <laughs> Side tangent. Yeah, yeah. I had to go. Um, down that red hole but uh, <laughs> maybe not yeah no we'll go back so yeah so red river was uh was a good experience you enjoyed it as as well my my take i, I on thought it. it was okay i thought it was okay actually like you you enjoyed it i thought it was okay i i like that um i got to meet a bunch of people yeah um but uh some of the stuff i was I don't know. I, th- I think I have a love-hate relationship with, with post-secondary just because coming out of it, I couldn't find a job that was suited in that field. Some other people did, which is great. Mm-hmm. But for me, it wasn't 
the like oh yeah this is sweet like this is a ticket to a really good it, it took me a long time for me to find something that was like suited towards that kind of field which is I don't know I don't want to blame Red River College for that it, maybe it's just me and how I am or whatever but um, that's just the journey I've taken so uh, when people ask me oh should I take this should I take that um, for business it depends so, some people could just like come out of high school and then figure it everything out as they go some people need like more structure and maybe a little bit of uh, guidance or, or whatever and go into something like that when it comes to like business stuff it's it's definitely different than like sciences and you know if you want to be an engineer or whatever which obviously you have to like go to school for so yeah yeah that's actually a really good point for me it I, yeah, I don't know I think it's just timing and luck I went into business and majored in marketing because it was broad but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a job like you said in mm. marketing it's just such a broad it's, thing to well have. especially in Winnipeg right like you have to I feel yeah. like you have to have some kind of sales ability and kind of build maybe there or I mean maybe it's different now because like um since social media is such a big thing and um you know marketing in different ways is is like you know it's different than when we were going <laughs> going to school which actually was a while ago yeah yeah no totally actually one of the one of our instructors um who was it? Uh, I think it was Murray, Murray Moment. Yeah. Um, shout out to Murray Moment. If you're listening to this or if you get a hold of this, you were an awesome instructor. And uh, I think it was him or Taras Wasilu. Um, oh, yeah. That reached out to me. And uh, because my background's in marketing, but primarily web design. So I know how to build websites, uh, social media management. I know how to do social media basically well that yeah. we'll just wrap it up nicely and say that <laughs> and uh and then all other forms of marketing but primarily digital marketing has been where my experience has been and i think it's just lucky because i grew up with technology it was really easy and natural for me and i always thought um oh man like the companies that i worked at really needed to get on board because i saw where social media was going while it was happening so I always played an integral role in making sure that the website was up to date or I'm updating the website to get it to where it needs to be. And also the social media accounts need to be where uh, it needs to be up to date as well, basically. Right. And you were saying Taras and... Um, yeah, Taras and, and Marie, they reached out to me a few years after we had oh, wow. graduated and uh, and... Or I reached out to them just to reconnect. Um, I think I okay. used them as a, a ref, job reference. Nice. And they said, actually, like what you're applying for, your experience in that, because I had sent over, I think, a copy of my resume or was to told them the job that I was applying for. And they said, we're actually integrating a digital marketing course into the program. And they wanted my feedback on what like kind of the structure of the course because they were creating it based oh, on wow. the current new landscape change of yeah. social media in business and marketing and so I got to chime in my two cents on uh just giving them feedback on that which is really cool did you end up on a billboard I did not you should have ended up on a billboard <laughs> damn it you know, my friend Roy ended up on a billboard and my other friend Arvin ended up on a billboard for Red River College and I was like, what? You know, I'm, he goes just talking to me in my head. I'm like, oh, I should have a freaking billboard. Give me a billboard. 
Well, they had really good marketing for uh, to draw people into the program. They had basically testimonials or reviews from past grads saying, mm. you know, it was yeah. the person's name where they currently work. And then a little one sentence of Red River gave me the skills I needed to get the job that I am now working at or something along those lines. Basically showing that, like, you'll get hired or yeah. there's a high likelihood. So... Right. Uh, yeah, they had you know, marketing. let's not let's not get it twisted. Red River College, all of those uh, uh, post secondary, they're trying to get more students so they can make more money. Like <laughs> for, for real though, like and you know what's a scam? I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Is those fucking textbooks, man? Those textbooks are crazy. Like especially like even back then though, you could I feel like you could have got everything like digitally and like paying like a hundred or like 150 bucks or whatever for a textbook and and even like like the same amount for a new edition or the next edition was ridiculous but yeah anyways. for sure <laughs> yeah actually another side note i'll add to that on the note of textbooks i remember first year university and this carried into college yes textbooks are ridiculously expensive so i'm going to share a little tip and story on what i did to hopefully help anyone that's currently in school or thinking of going into school to save money on textbooks so what i did was actually found out my curriculum what textbooks i needed and then i went on ebay and amazon and kijiji and if I found the same textbook, but it was one edition older, they always want you to buy the latest edition because it's right. got maybe one new chapter or, or a few new switch, pages. They just switch a couple chapters. Right. So I would buy one edition older, but it was the same author, same subject or whatever. And I remember I bought one textbook. Uh, this was at U of M and it was, I think, a sociology class, so pretty general. And I bought it for a penny on eBay and I only paid shipping, which was like twelve ninety nine. So I think I paid thirteen bucks and it was wow. like a hundred and eighty dollar textbook. And it was one edition older, but I saved hundreds of dollars yeah. on textbooks looking online and never buying at the bookstore. And you could also partner up with if you have a friend or somebody that you like think would be willing to share a textbook in that class and uh split the cost 50 50 yep there you go tip of the day tip of the day all right it was, it was funny though i <laughs> wanted to mention because um uh i was in toronto toronto airport i can't remember if i was heading back to winnipeg or i think i was heading back to winnipeg anyways i saw Ilya dragojevic Oh, yeah. Remember Ilya? Yeah, yeah. I saw him because I'm like, you know, he looks like a distinct guy, right? Like, yeah. So I saw him like, I'm pretty sure that's my, what well, was my college teacher. So I went up to him and said hi. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And then yeah. we had a little bit of a conversation. But it was just so trippy that, like, Toronto's a, a, a pretty de- decent-sized, like, uh, airport that I saw him at the same, like, you know, around the same area there. Yeah. So I was like, oh, hey, cool. What's up? <laughs> nice. All I remember from this class was, like, him talking about his son in <laughs> private school. And then one time, that one time he hit, like, a deer or something with his car. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, that's just- reminiscing. Just uh, hang in there, audience. Thanks for... Uh- <laughs> chiming in as we reminisce um so okay so college she graduated Mm -hmm. we got back on track here and um let's just dive into what you did work-wise and and if you want to dive into like dance-wise you can segue that uh as well 
Yeah, um, I I was in like a lot of different weird things, and there's like a lot of gaps in how I worked and stuff. Because I just I was trying to figure out what I was gonna do. Right, mm-hmm. I th- I figured uh, with like a diploma from Red River College, I'd be able to get a uh, position pretty. I mean, with some kind of ease, right? A certain level of ease, and it didn't happen. I end up working at. Uh, I, well, in in while I was at col- in college, I uh, was working at a call center for. Um, uh, I was just doing surveys and stuff. Then uh, I also hopped around. I, I worked at Hooters. My friend worked at Hooters as a cook, and I needed a dishwasher, so I worked at Hooters. Oh no way! For a while. Um, what was that like? Is it is the culture as you would imagine? Um, it's. And I found out about this afterwards, actually, was that apparently there was, like, some drug thing going on in, in accordance with, with, with Hooters. This is just, like, uh, what, what I heard. Uh, but, uh, I don't know, it's kind of, it, was, it was kind of a little bit disorganized, to be honest, from where I was working before then. Because I worked at KFC for a while, and then I worked at, like, Hooters or whatever, and then it was just, it was just like, the management style wasn't that great I don't know about now maybe now it's better mm-hmm. um, just throwing like, I feel like I'm throwing a lot of shade <laughs> everywhere <laughs> you know what's cool it's a scam you know hey man you gotta tell it like it is <laughs> yeah. this is your experience um, so I, yeah I worked at Hooters for a bit I worked at Walmart uh, what else did I work I worked at uh, uh, a place uh, like another call center where it was like inbound calls and just mostly talking to a lot of older people who were like uh, filling out sweepstakes entries and stuff like that, um, and then I, I I was trying to teach dance full time for uh for a period of time, and it, like it was I was like not having it was it was it stopped being fun, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, uh, fast forward and I I started working at um, the place I'm working at now, which I do like uh, there's some lead generation type stuff, social media stuff, website design uh which is like super cool so i'm super excited about where i'm working now and uh, along the way i was just i kept like uh i kept dancing so i was teaching at certain places uh around the city and i just kept developing you know uh developing the style and and everything like that and then yeah and that's pretty much it and then i got into rap which is a whole other thing but Mm -hmm. But yeah, I hopped around a lot of places where I worked. I worked at a summer camp for kids, uh, which nice. was which is pretty interesting. Um, to deal with some ruckus kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it's cool. It's been an, a, a crazy ride, but uh, I'm really happy where I'm at right now, and it's uh, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been there, man. I bounced around a lot, had a lot of different jobs, but. Um, I know for for me, I've always taken the the grimier, harder, laborious jobs, and that's motivated me to get something else and do something more. And prime example, when I was in Australia, I went with a buddy for a year after my first year of university at U of M. Mm -hmm. Still didn't know what I wanted to do, so I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go travel, right? So I traveled 
Well, I was there for a year, or we had a working visa for a year, but um, I ended up coming back after, I think, 10-ish, 11 months. And, man, my buddy and I just grinded the whole time. Like, we worked our ass off. Yes, we had our fun times, Mm -hmm. but uh, we went with 700 bucks in, like, our pockets each and never racked up a visa. I don't think I touched my visa. I just... Whatever money I made, that's what I lived on. And we just oh, wow. grinded. We had all these hard jobs. So I, we sold fruit in a market, <laughs> working with, like, the majority were uh, immigrants that worked at this uh, market that, yeah, we sold fruit and vegetables. And we would just, like, uh, shout mangoes, mangoes, mango, mango. And, like, people would walk by and we would just sell fruit and... <laughs> And that was like a 12-hour working day with a half-hour lunch. And we started at 4 in the morning, and we'd end at 4 in the afternoon. Holy Get smokes. paid cash at the end of the day, and then we'd go and work at like 7 o'clock later th- that same day and work till like 3 in the morning uh, working at a bar slash restaurant. It turned into a bar later at night, and we were like dishwashers slash glassy they call them glassy but basically you like go around collect you know dishes glasses whatever bus uh like a busser yeah and so we did that and then we worked up to like doing bartending we renovated a bank in surfer's paradise for a period of time doing construction we uh, yeah renovated some condos uh did some construction we were grinding the entire time and i was ready to come back and i looked at red river college's website and i'm like i need to get some sort of education so that i i don't have to like keep grinding like this i want to get a better job so uh if you don't know what you want to do i encourage people to travel and struggle and get those hard jobs and uh it'll hopefully motivate you to get something better nowadays though you could just be whatever an influencer or start a podcast or (laughs) whatever but uh but this the struggle is like important like um it puts a lot of things in into perspective right and also why it, it eventually you end up asking yourself why am i doing this and also, and if the reason why is not big enough, then you'll be like, okay, it's time to move to the next thing. Um, yeah, I remember um, I was working at uh, Canadian Footwear for, uh, I worked there for a couple years, but it was like, it was right beside Red River College. And I was a shipper receiver. So I would look at the loading dock and I would see Red River College right there. And I'm like, damn, like, <laughs> what? Like, I, 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 yeah, I signed up to be a shipper receiver. But eventually, um, I was like, oh, you know, I got to, like, get into, like, some, some marketing and stuff. And um, I was kind of frustrated that I was just stuck in that kind of position. And then, yeah, fast forward now, I'm working <laughs> marketing and, and some social media type stuff and website design. And, you know, so, um, yeah, you just got to, like, you got to really ask yourself why you're doing something and like think about the struggle and think about like the reward at the end of it and is it worth it and all that kind of stuff and just keep pushing absolutely love that man that's beautiful <laughs> um and <clears throat> so let's uh let's dive into dance and you deep dive let's let's take a deep dive into dance so um do you want to 
should we talk about sesh grounds? Uh, we could talk a, a little bit about it. Um, in retrospect, I was I, I'm actually surprised that you do, you dove into it the way that you did because I was all over the place at that at that moment in time. Uh, we, like I I can't even think about what the actual business premise of it was. It was more of like a concept that kept on morphing in my mind. And um, uh, well, I guess you could you could talk about a little bit of what you thought what you thought the opportunity was in that. Yeah. So, so also this is not to discount that like some dance business ideas are are good. Like you know you, you know some are actually like good. Some like need a little bit more direction or whatever. But um, yeah, for, in our case, um, yeah, Dean just like went in and like okay, well, yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so not a lot of people know this. So Angelo and I started a business years ago. It was after we graduated, Red River College. Yep. And so I think I think you approached me with this idea. And yeah, it definitely morphed and like changed around. But my, my understanding and like kind of the pitch of it was I want to start a dance company or a business centered around dance and it was going to be more geared towards hip-hop dancing Mm -hmm. and the different styles uh, that fall under that category and I was just basically a fan of hip-hop dance like you were and I was like yeah sure let's figure this out so we wrote up uh, we got a registered like a business number and we created a logo or I can't remember if we hired, we went on like Fiverr.com I think or you, you hired a guy to do it and it was just, uh, yeah, it was the, the, the logo of it and the design. Yeah, so we got the logo designed and then uh, it was a short-lived business. But I think I think we had one session. We had, uh, this is that what I remember is we had one dance session or class or workshop. Right, yeah, yeah. workshop. It was with Lady C, uh, Caroline. Um yeah, we brought her in. Uh, she taught at Cindy Clausen, that studio that's like near that swimming, uh, right beside the swimming pool. Yeah. Or right out, like yeah, really, pretty much like right outside is the swimming pool. Yeah. Which is like a place that people don't really know <laughs> know about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that for sure. Yeah, and she came down. She taught uh, this workshop for I think it was the weekend, and. Um, and then I remembered, I think I still have like a photo of everyone that, that took part in the class, but, uh, long story short, it fizzled, fizzled yeah. out pretty quickly. Sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, you ended <laughs> up going to Australia, like in the middle of, I think mm. of that. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. My girlfriend at the time, now wife, uh, her and I went, uh, on a big trip to Australia. So yes, that was one reason in phasing that out because I wasn't going to be around. And then I think we also just hashed out like numbers and details and just it didn't really sound feasible to keep going at least with the business plan and structure that we had. Yeah. I think if we came up with something today, it would be a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But But it was was a really cool experience because um, it made me realize that some people are actually down to like start and uh work on some stuff you know like there's there's some people like like it, it i guess before that i thought it was really hard for people to um 
think of an idea was good or like start working on something. Uh, but you were just like, okay, this is cool. I'm going to try it. And we, you know, we tried yeah. and, um, I honestly blame the fizzling of, of it out on me because I had the initial idea for it and I couldn't decide what exactly it was <laughs> going to turn into. Um, cause part of it was, um, having practice space like for, for like street dancers mm-hmm. like come and just do that. Um, and then turn into like some workshop type thing. And then we were thinking about like, I think we were talking about clothes, like attire at one point or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it's cool. I think if we were to think of something today, right, it would be a lot better. And we would actually look at all the numbers and maybe some of like, you know, evaluate a lot more and have more of a, like a bigger perspective on on it today rather than before with my crazy yeah ideas <laughs> i wouldn't regret i don't regret it though i think it was a good experience even if it was a flop and i think also looking not if i was to redo it again looking back i wouldn't focus so much on the numbers of the business but i'd focus more on the why and the customers or the people that we're serving and really focus on how can we deliver the best experience for the people who 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 do we think like our target audience would be and then how can we give them the best experience possible right but i also read an article on uh, simon sinek this morning why? How? What? I know about that. You know, like the golden was it called golden circle? Did they call it? Yeah, golden circle, and just uh, yeah. finding your why. And I'll link to Simon Sinek in the show notes because he I, is. I have uh, to read his book. It's, yeah, same here. I bought it and I haven't read like all the way through. But. If you just search him on LinkedIn, he's got just a, I think seven or eight articles currently, and they're short, easy read articles that are packed with. Uh, juicy good takeaways so i can link to those in the in the show notes as well also his ted talk um mm-hmm. way back in like 2009 or something yeah right uh it's when he like first did that with the why how what um which is really great it's a good like intro into like what he's all about yeah and then if you want to check out more of the stuff yeah i'm sure you'll have all that stuff linked in there yeah yeah if you're into just marketing and business and entrepreneurship he is somebody that you want to have at the top of your list on researching and grasping his key takeaways because it's just invaluable and I think he just comes at it in the right place and he corrects a lot of wrongs that are currently going on in the in the business world yeah yeah, yeah. so cool. yeah cool so sesh grounds was was a flop but it was uh it was a good experience and so you were, uh, one thing I wanted to mention about that too is like now that you say it that was a flop but you don't regret it is that um, at least we tried it because like, like I think there's some kind of Bruce Lee quote I'm not going to quote it exactly but there's like um, it's even glorious to just fail in like a big attempt right so I think that was a big attempt and we failed but you know well, at least we're not going back and saying oh I wish we tried something or tried doing something you know and never actually tried yeah yeah absolutely definitely um, so yeah, so it was also around that time that I really discovered all the different types of dancing that you did. And you mentioned popping, locking. Um, just talk about the different styles that you did back then. And and if you want to dive into the history of them, you can. And then sure. just kind of walk us through your your evolution of dance. Yeah, sure. Um, 
So, as I was saying before, like, junior high and high school, well, junior high was mostly, like, music video, drawing everything from, like, music videos, because um, that was, like, what I was, like, you know, exposed to at the time. And then high school, the dance team and everything, it was just choreography, um, urban choreography. And uh, I know a lot of the influences came from actually like the U.S. with um, with Cabin Modern um, and I think America's Best Dance Crew came out when I was in high school, yeah, 2000, I think 2008. Um, but a lot of that s- seeped into like like the whole dance scene in high school and it was all about choreography but not that much understanding of the other styles uh, within the whole street dance like um, environment, I guess. And then after or after high school like end of 2008 I took that class like I was saying and finally distinguished between locking and popping and that they're two different styles and stuff like that so for those that don't know locking started in 1970 by Don Campbell and um, it was like based off like some like a soul dance that Don Campbell couldn't do he made a mistake and he, he locked up and then they called it the, the Campbell Lock, and then later shortened to Locking. Um, and, and so, so Locking, I, I started diving, diving deep into, into that and some of the influences. I used to watch lots of videos of P-Lock, um, Go-Go Brothers, Hilti and Bosch. I'm sure you've seen um, Hilti and Bosch before. Like, they're really, they're pretty famous as far as the, that kind of... Uh, style goes because at one point I remember this is at, at like some some party some college party or whatever and then I started locking you're like you should do that with a partner or whatever I'm like oh I know what you're talking about you're talking about Hilti and Bosch and that type of stuff <laughs> um, yeah so so uh, locking I, I looked at the stuff like that and I tried to find tutorials and um, there's people like uh, my friend and my uh, crewmate uh Mark San Juan, who traveled and took classes from like Gemini and Lockadelic, and uh, uh, you know some other people out in the West Coast like Vancouver and stuff, and then brought it back, and then he taught me. Um, and if you could describe locking for people that just to try and give like a visual right. for people that are just listening, how would you describe it? Because I can I I can see it, but if it's your first time hearing of what the heck locking is, how would you describe it? Yeah, um, one way of describing it is it's a lot of freezes with the upper body. Um, if you look at the, cl- I guess, classical locking, <laughs> it's still not that old of a style, but um, but like the, I guess, traditional classic kind of locking is like you're freezing in certain positions, positions like a point is like your point, you're doing a point, but you're freezing in that position which also can be referred to as like locking, like you're locking, you're locking your joints in that position. Um, so it's a lot of stops with the upper body as opposed to like jazz where it's a lot of like lower body type stuff and you're not freezing a, a lot. And, um, and a lot of the basic movements for locking were uh, from gestures that they would do in the uh, African-American community in that um, area of like L.A., um, in California so like you have the up lock wrist roll point give yourself five um, this is all stuff you could kind of see on like online with the original lockers and how they how they 
used to dance and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. and then popping. What's the difference? So, to, uh, or sorry, popping. But you could call yeah. popping popping. Yeah. Um, so popping um, is a bit of a. This is where like some of the debate comes into it, because there's a lot of there's a lot of politics that that come. We started talking about popping, like who 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 invented popping, who who did this, who did that. Um, the most popular, um, I guess, thing known about popping is was was spread by the Electric Boogaloo's. So they're a group. Um, I believe they started in Fresno and also were were in Long Beach, um, and I think they started around like mid seventies, but. Popping itself as the style is just contracting and releasing your muscles to the music, and um, and it's also there's a lot of things that are put into popping to to vary up like the kind of movements like waving and you know kink tut style or tutting, um, gliding, uh, all that kind of stuff is kind of like they kind of like mix it in with 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 popping. Uh, well, yeah, Electric Boogaloo's are, were the group, and their style is called Electric Boogaloo. So that's what shaped a lot of the popping uh, as far as it being spread out. But there's also the Black Messengers who are before, who came out before the, the Electric Boogaloo's, who did le- these like hard poses. So they would do a robot, like a, a, like a robot, which a lot of people did back, back then in that area. Mm-hmm. And then they would, they would do like a really hard pose where they pretty much pop. Right, it's like a hit, boom. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so pretty much popping is just yeah, contracting and releasing your muscles to the beat of music, um, and then there's other styles that come into play that are associated with that. So they're, they're different, but like the media always goes like pop lock or popping and locking, and like you know, yeah. and they mix it up and then it causes the confusion. Similar to how, um, uh, well, they had to call it break dance because breaking or b-boying or b-girling doesn't come across as like a like a dance at when you look at it at f- like face value so they call it break dancing which is like it's technically breaking or b-boying or b-girling so right so yeah yeah and then you mentioned tutting yeah um i've seen you tut before yeah. it's really tut- cool how would you describe tutting as well um it's an angular Dance where um, you create a lot of ninety degree angles, boxes, so very sharp, I guess edges you could say, um, and the act of it is pretty much the basic tut is you bend at the uh, you, you lift up your arm um, and you make it a ninety degree angle and uh, pretty much raise it to the to the side, so ninety degree angle with your shoulder and your body, and then you then you bend at the elbow with your Fingers pointing up, um, and then uh, you have a 90-degree angle at your elbow and your like your bicep or whatever, and then you bend at the wrist, and then you get another 90-degree angle with your wrist and your like forearm. So that's the basic tut, and and yeah, just a lot of like it's inspired by um, hieroglyphics, like e- Egyptian hieroglyphics. I remember teaching you some of this before at Cindy Clausen, and it's a difficult style because. Uh, the angles are kind of unnatural to the people, like especially if your wrist is a little bit like not flexible or you have your shoulders not as um, mobile or whatever. But it's it's still a difficult thing. It's 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 similar to like 
I would kind of compare it to ballet with some of the technique and, and stuff like that. But as, popping as a whole is, is, is really technical mm-hmm. for the high-level poppers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I was actually going to mention for, for those to give people like a visual of like tutting, just think of like King Tut and like the old hieroglyphics in like ancient Egypt and how they're like facing kind of sideways and then they have their hands out like uh those those angular right angles hands going forward and backwards i think there's also cartoons like looney tunes type stuff where they kind of mimic that um yeah there's there's i guess it's like a pop culture type thing too and then Mm -hmm. uh, king boogaloo tut is i believe the person who like developed that style and then people just kind of built off of it uh, to like what it is today, which is like you get advanced tutters who are like doing these crazy things. They're like sliding and like doing bone breaking stuff, like flexible, flexible stuff with their like shoulders and you know all this crazy stuff. So it's it's definitely advanced as a style, but yeah, it's it's a highly technical dance. <laughs> definitely, yeah. And then uh, from from those three styles, what have you evolved and gotten into? since then or are you just crafting and molding and constantly like elevating your your skill set in those three Uh, genres mostly so it's pretty much like um yeah so like so you're talking about popping locking and like tidying or something Mm -hmm. um it's sometimes it's an up and well a lot of times it's up and down type thing where like maybe you're more into locking at this point or you're Mm -hmm. more into this stuff um yeah, I think I'm mostly, I'm mostly just maintaining what whatever I know right now, um, and it, it helps to teach it too. So, like, my plan for this year, twenty nineteen uh, in September, there's a I think there's a battle in Montreal. Mm-hmm. So me and my my buddy Mark from my crew, Good Funk Gang, we're gonna go and go and compete and stuff because we haven't really, I don't think either of us have won a locking battle but also there's not a lot of locking battles in Winnipeg so yeah but just to travel out and, and do that so that's one of the goals um and with with popping uh yeah it's just it, de- it depends on like what I'm really into sometimes I'll go into just like maybe a little bit of robot or whatever and try to advance there um it's and it's like up and down like as you know like being successful with anything sometimes is just not even like a linear thing it's like you go you kind of like backtrack and then you go forward and then you you know so um yeah right now i'm i think i'm pretty good at the the, the popping and boogaloo and if, and i gotta just add in more elements and try to like find more variations but it's always just a journey right it's all about the journey so absolutely and if we can make a parallel segue yeah uh tell everyone who's listening about the other thing that you've been getting into that's related to music and that would be rapping yeah with rapping uh actually what what happened was my my cousin he he's been rapping for a long time since like junior high and he's the same age as me so um just rapping on and off and um we would make songs just for fun and then the last two or three years we've decided to take it a little bit more seriously try to make it um a career or at least build something uh big with it so we could kind of you know reach more people and all that 
And so I was singing on a, on a track, on a song uh, we were recording. And I'm like, you know what? It's probably easy to, easier to rap. And my cousin Andrew's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, okay. So maybe I start, I'll try, I'll try rapping. And this is about the time where um, Straight Outta Compton came out. The movie? Yeah. 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 So I watched that and it's like, oh yeah, he's, he didn't know how to rap so I can learn how to rap and like be really good, you know? <laughs> Their motivation right there. It was crazy. You know, well, side note, when, I, when we went to watch it at Silver City, there were, there were cops there. Really? There were cops at Silver City just like, we're like, why, why are there cops here? Like, we're just watching a movie. Like, it's the, they think that we're going to watch Straight Outta Compton and suddenly like riot or something. Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, that was crazy. I think I, I wish I took pictures, but it was just like, like whoa, like there's, there's police here. Anyways, um, yeah. So I decided rapping, and I decided to rap, and and then just trying to learn from the. Ba- it's almost like um, you're starting a new thing. It's it's pretty exciting, and you're rediscovering music that you maybe you heard before, but it never resonated the way it is at that moment. So, um, so I started listening to a lot of Wu Tang. Um, Rock him, uh, Gangstar, um, who else? Uh, a tribe called Quest. So it was kind of like I was, you know, going, not going, well, kind of going back in time and listening to these and like with fresh ears or fresh eyes or a different perspective and seeing like examining how they went in and out of like verses and stuff like that and their technique. And then I just tried to build off of that. Also taking a lot of influence from my cousin, of course, who was you know rapping for a long time um so i I started doing that and then we've we've done a lot of shows um we've opened for soul and members at park theater no way yeah nice Uh, we did that we opened up for locksmith who's like an underground rapper but has a a big following um we opened up for smith and wesson who are big in i think the mid 90s that was really cool yeah, so, and we've, we've uh, performed at um, Northern Touch Music Festival, which is a festival that came out a couple years ago here in Winnipeg, uh, which is, like, you know, they focus on hip-hop, R&B, and, like, soul, and, you know, all the uh, other um, genres that are not really, like, included with some of the festivals. Um, yeah, and so, and it was funny because I, I, I found out that I started rapping at the same time as Lil Pump. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, he, uh, J. Cole was interviewing um, uh, Lil Pump, and then J. Cole asked Lil Pump, oh, when did you start rapping? And they like, 2016. And then, like, and, he, and J. Cole was, like, so surprised. Like, what? You've only been rapping for two years? Is that right, eh? Yeah. Well, and looking back at knowing you in college and then mm-hmm. I knew that you could dance and then when you started rapping you sent me your rap video I was like what I never knew this guy could rap like mm-hmm. you are constantly surprising uh, at least me with just the different things that you want to try and you dabble in and you um and the videos that I have watched uh, that you guys have created are really well done and I'll definitely link them up in the show notes cool. because it's uh Thanks, yeah man. i'm super proud of you man it <laughs> is really cool to see everything that uh that you've done post um uh college days so 
kudos to you. And what's what's the name of the group and yeah. who else is involved? Yeah, uh, it's my cousin, uh, Andrew, but uh, he goes by Cortex. That's his rap name. And I go by Joe Boy Rock. Oh, shit. Watch out. Uh, our, our group is called, it's just the two of us, uh, we're called Machina 2. It's a bit of a like Latin kind of name. Um, but yeah, Machina 2, it's pronounced that way, Machina 2. Not Machina, Machinima, all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, because it's spelled M-A-C-H-I-N-A. Yeah. Right? So it could be looked at like Machina, but it's Machina. Yeah. What's the what's the background behind the name? Um, well, I just finished watching um, Ex Machina. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that's a cool, yeah, that's a cool word, Machina. And my parents would say Machina as like referring to a machine. Like in when they're speaking to to Tagalog and stuff like that, so you know I was like maybe something like machine kind of sounds cool, like Machina sounds cool, and then um, there's obviously two of us in the group, so I put Roman numeral two there. I didn't want a a number two for some reason, Uh, just didn't seem like it looked cool enough or whatever, so I just put Roman numeral two, and it was kind of like it was our second name as a like duo because before we had we had a different name, so this was kind of like the second vehicle to everything and also um i looked up the, the word machina and like you know ex machina and stuff and deus ex machina came up with which means god from the machine um which was like a device in like ancient greek like theater and stuff where they would um have the god come come in from like a crane like they had like a crane machine thing and then they they had the god come in and they the god would fix everything and as a literary device like deus ex machina is just like something that just saves the day like or fixes the problem that seems impossible to fix right away like in the movie plots and stuff like that so we were like okay so i don't know i was like oh we're saving the day because we're like you know um at the at that time i was like really um kind of dissatisfied with a lot of (laughs) the, the rapping from from winnipeg and, you know, actually, you know, just to not to throw a lot of shade on there, maybe there was like some people that I didn't know about at the time or whatever, and I was only exposed to a certain amount of people. But my, my perception of everything was, oh yeah, like, you know, I don't, I, I don't think a lot of Winnipeg rappers are good, but there are some that are actually really good. So, um, but I was like, yeah. Let's save. Let's save the day with this crew name <laughs> that nobody can say. <laughs> That's awesome. And so, so it's just you and your cousin. Yeah. And then um, the video that I watched, there was a third guy that also did like maybe a feature or whatever in the the video, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Oh really? Um, I know my buddy Mark was there. We did the handshake. Mm-hmm. Part. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, he didn't have anything to do with making that song though, but he was, yeah, he was part of the, the video. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure which third guy you're, you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I could be drawing a blank or um, cause like, cause up. if you guys haven't seen the mu- music video, it's called uh, move. Um, and we go around, it's just a one long shot. I'll give you a, a secret though. It was two shots. It was a uh, one long shot until near the end where we went to the door and then he he he, he changes. Uh, there's a second shot there. Yeah. But most of it, like ninety percent of it, is that one long shot. So we just we just recorded as that one long thing. Um, great so, video, by the way. Yeah. Great, great video. I love that concept. It was uh, it was Andrew's idea. So that's that's his uh, 
that's his like little baby there. But um, our cousin Tyrone recorded it for us, and XQs provided the space. We pretty much shot that for free, which is great. It was like, because music videos can get kind of expensive. Um, but yeah, so we, we, we it kind of follows us, and uh, Andrew starts up on the uh, at the poker table where I think he loses or something, and then he gets up, starts walking around, and then I'm at the piano, and then I then the camera goes to me, and then I start walking around, do the handshake, put get the drink or whatever, drink it, put it down on the <laughs> on the waitress's thing, and then and then I head out the door, and then yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if there's a third guy, but yeah, uh, shout out to all those people who were in that music video because we just asked some of our friends to come out, and they came out and and did it. And it, was, it was pretty cool. It turned out great. Turned out awesome. Okay. And do you? Do you feel like you have an alter ego when you rap? Do you do you get into like another skin and like another side of you comes out? Yeah, cause like um, a lot of the stuff that I say, especially when I rap, is just you know, I think people have to take it like I'm an author and I'm writing something rather than you know. So sometimes rappers will be like, "Well, he said this, so he must have literally meant this or whatever." But when you write a book or if you make a movie, like, those people are not literally doing those things, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's an alter ego in it. Like, if I feel like I'm, like, frustrated with something or, or whatever it is, like, any kind of emotion, um, especially channeling some kind of anger um, towards that or aggression towards, towards uh, lyrics, I think is a good thing to do. And then you're all chill for the, the, the rest of it. So, um, like some of the songs, one of, one, of, one of the songs, Fool, is very hardcore. If you listen to it, it sounds like I'm going to like attack somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because Frank Sinatra is, a, is sampled in that, in that song. But, oh, um, really? So it's like super chill and then it's kind of like mellow. And then my lyrics are just like hardcore. Um, but yeah, um, you could draw like a, an alter ego from it and and kind of just like let it all out on, on stage or even in the in the song when you're recording it and then you're you're good <laughs> yeah absolutely well yeah i mean um i could see it just being like very therapeutic and an outlet to get whatever it is inside of you out but in a creative form and i think that's yeah. where people that are consuming whatever form of entertainment need to realize that that's not actually them that's not, you can't just paint, like, Eminem's not just one pissed off guy hating all females all the time. Yeah, he's got a lot of, a lot of inner stuff that he gets out there, but, um, yeah, it's just, the people aren't just, like, the one thing that maybe they're, they're known mainstream for. People are yeah. complex, multi-talented uh, humans that, uh, they're, you can't just pinpoint, uh, people just want to put people in a box and be like, oh, like you're just, you're yeah. just a dancer. You're just a locker. That's it. That's, that's it. No, you're, you're like, you're very, um, I don't know, multifaceted. It's multifaceted and it's like, you know, rapping is another form of expression, like how dancing is another form of expression. Um, and, and it's an art form. So you got to take it like the way you analyze it should be, uh, with a certain kind of like scope. It shouldn't just be like 
you know, one, you know, one thing. Or like, like if Eminem has a song. No, I think Eminem has a song called Kill You, right? And if you just bi- judged him based off that one song, it's like, okay, this guy, you know, it's not such a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah, you got to look at it in a certain way. Um, but yeah, uh, I do want to give a shout out to 3 Pete, uh, especially Egg um, from 3 Pete because... I saw one of their shows, uh, like it's an underground show. I think it's literally underground. It was like in the basement of this um, uh, place. I don't think I should name, but um, like they performed, three people performed, uh, and I was like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" Like the atmosphere is cool. I'm like, you know what? I could probably, I could probably do that. <laughs> I could probably rap on stage, and I end up doing it, and you know, so. Like some of that, the motivation came from from that as well. Yeah. Apart from straight out of Compton and being <laughs> frustrated that singing was harder than rap, which not necessarily it is, <laughs> but you know. Yeah, and Three Pete is Three Pete is a rap group from Winnipeg. Um, they're really big in the local scene. Yeah, they're great. Um, have you seen their show? I, I haven't seen it live, but um, I did some research on on you guys, and also just looked into more of the music scene in Winnipeg, and they kept on popping up, and I was like, oh, this is like an underground but popular, popular locally for sure, uh, rap group, and they're they're excellent. I yeah. really enjoy their stuff, so that's awesome that you've drawing inspiration from them yeah and egg used to used to uh, break too he used to uh, be a b-boy or i should still call him a b-boy um so that's how i knew egg and then i met uh steve um steven anthony is, is their dj and their manager um but anthony and steve i met them through another thing with um i actually met anthony carvello at a future shop he used to work at a future shop mm-hmm. <laughs> But anyways, yeah, like I met those other guys uh, through other ways in the scene and then they end up with that group and I was like, oh, this is cool. So yeah, shout out to them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, any upcoming performances? What do you guys got got coming on for, for 2019? Um, Machina 2 has a show in March. I forget the exact date, but um, we are opening for DJ Kubert. Okay. Um, I, honestly, I don't really know about DJ Kubert a lot yet. I have to do some research, but uh, we got offered that performance. Uh, we're probably going to be performing at North Dutch Music Festival, which is going to be around July. Um, and there's some other stuff that's up in the air that's not confirmed yet that I don't want to really announce. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're definitely we took a, a little bit of a hiatus after our after our show in September where we opened for Swollen Members, and then now we're just booking shows and getting out there a little bit more now so yeah all right so what was it like opening for swollen members it was trippy man like you probably have the same kind of memories uh but i used to watch them on much music yep you know and at pretty much at their height like swollen members and mocha only and stuff like that oh i also have a story about mocha only i'll probably share um no, it was trippy because it was at Park Theater. We were chilling backstage, and I was just chill. We were chilling with Mad Child. Mad Child was just sitting at the back, and then it's like, like whoa, it's trippy. I didn't know what to say. I was like, cool, hey man, <laughs> like you know. So I was super nervous. Um, I was actually probably more nervous in that 
in the backstage area with them rather than um, um, on stage. Kinda, <laughs> then performing. Yeah, on stage performing. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but it, it, was, it, was, it was funny because I was chilling back there and uh, my partner, Andrew, he wasn't, even, he wasn't even back there. I think he was doing something else for some reason. And it was me and another artist, Andre, uh, Andre Jeetson. Um, we're just chilling backstage there. And then I guess Matchild wanted to talk to his crew for a little bit. And he's like, super politely asked us to go like, there's an upstairs section uh, uh, backstage at Park Theater. So he's like, you guys mind just going up there for a, for a bit? Uh, we'll just call you uh, when we're done or whatever. I just want to talk to my crew. So super politely he asked that. We went up there and it's me and him just like, Yo, this is trippy. Yo, this is trippy. <laughs> and then uh, after a while, um, Andre just goes downstairs. He's like, yo, uh, Mad Child, can, can we come down? <laughs> so we, we finally get out of there. And, yeah, and it was super, it was, it was really like surreal. Yeah. Super surreal. The Mocha Only story uh, comes about, um, I actually met him a few years ago. He was in Winnipeg um, at what was then called Opera. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was there. And uh, Tiffany Ponce, a singer uh, from Winnipeg, she actually introduced me to him because um, Tiffany's friends with um, one of one of my crewmates. And then I was like, oh, it's Mocha Only. And like, hey, what's up, man? And then as I was leaving uh, later that night, he's like, hey, you're, you're Angelo, right? And like, he remembered my name. I'm like, oh, Mocha Only remembered my name. <laughs> oh, <Damn."> snap. <laughs> And then that's awesome. And then uh, fast forward uh, to just like this past year, um, Dag, uh, one of these rappers from uh, uh, Thompson, he asked us to be on a track and uh, like some collaboration, and it was a mocha only beat. And then <laughs> nice. At first, I was like, um, I, I don't know if I could make anything to this. Start writing with uh, Andrew and like, okay, and now I have something to this. And we recorded it and yeah. So we ended up using a mocha only beat. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> so crazy, man. <laughs> you, know, you never think of this stuff like before, like like way back in the past. You, like, can you imagine just going like, like okay, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> you're Take like a, a you're like 12 13 years old whatever it is right when swan members are huge and then you're like you know what i think i'm gonna make a song and moko only is probably gonna make the beat and i'm probably gonna meet mad child when i'm gonna be opening for them at park theater <laughs> like if you said that i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> what are you smoking <laughs> and then that happens and like oh shit <laughs> yeah that's awesome um and what if uh, if you don't mind going into you guys released your album and it w- or sorry I might not get the terminology language right yeah it's okay. terminology it's right but you, uh, I saw it on iTunes and where where can people find your music first and then I'll follow up with a question right um, there's there's a few places uh, uh, if you want it for free it's on SoundCloud all of our stuff is on uh, SoundCloud. That goes back to uh, the mixtape that we kind of put together. We compiled that that were like some of the older songs that we recorded before and then just put it all together in one whole thing on SoundCloud. There's a mixtape. Um, there's an EP that I did, which is like an R&B e- EP that's on uh, on our SoundCloud Machina 2. Um, and there's also Andrew or Cortex's uh, EP up on there as well. Pretty much all of our stuff. Um, the Vault uh, playlist that we put together, which is like some of the newer stuff that we had is on SoundCloud, but it's also on Spotify, Apple Music, um, 
uh, what is a Google Play. It's all it's all up on like everything, so um, you'll be able to find it. Yeah. Do you guys have a website as well? No, not yet. Not yet. I just recently. Um, it's funny because with the job that I have now, I pretty much learned how to build a website. Yeah. Through like WordPress. Yeah. Um, and like tutorials off of YouTube. So I'll probably build that build that sometime soon. We're just in the phase of just like figuring uh, stuff out and planning everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's the pretty much the next step. Yeah. If you need help with that, let me know. Yeah. I that's know. what I do on the side. So. <laughs> or just have Dean do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind, man. Be happy to help. So uh, yeah, just let me know and good luck with that. And so my follow-up question was, Walk us through the process of making an album or making a song and just what what kind of equipment do you guys use? Where do you record? Kind of like give us a behind the scenes look into what goes all into making a song and publishing it and sharing it live out with everyone. Right. Um, it's interesting because since it's just me and Andrew who are working this thing, uh, we don't have like a manager or anything. Like we're just like kind of self-managed and kind of do everything. Well, so, well not not everything, but a lot of things DIY. Mm-hmm. Um, he's more on the technical side of things, so he knows exactly what kind of microphone we use, um, and what kind of software we use to record, and um, stuff like that. Because uh, we work off all of his his equipment, and then I'm more of like the marketing promoting type type thing when it comes to the other stuff that doesn't really encompass uh the music like creating the music directly but um yeah so sometimes we'll record in his little area there his little like uh, space just a makeshift studio with like a a mic stand and you know what make sure the dog is quiet yeah just Um, in his house yeah just 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 in his house nice um so sometimes we record there and obviously that's free um, and then he does like some of the mixing and mastering kind of like self-taught like does that um, uh, himself and uh, and sometimes we also like we would record outside and like at a studio um, more recently we've been recording at uh, our buddy's uh, 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 studio um, his name is Stumbles or Terrence, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like we have superhero names. <laughs> Stumbles. You know, Spider-Man. We're just like, just over Spider-Man's it. place. Uh, so, yeah. So, sometimes we'll record at a studio, but like, it's just more expensive that way. Yep. Um, so, sometimes, sometimes we just record on our own. So, pretty much in creating the song, what, what we do is, I, I'll tell you our process, but it's, it might be different for other people. For sure. Is that, We'll just, like, listen to some beats. So we'll comb through a bunch of, like, beats. That um, you create or you find? No, we, we, we find them. And, and, and uh, in more recent years, we've trying, been trying to use a lot of, a lot of local people's stuff mm-hmm. rather than, you know. It's just, like, it, just, it feels good to, like, support a, a lot of the local, local people who create beats. You're here. Yeah. Um, and you get to meet up with them, too, which is super cool. Um, so... So we, we comb through some beats, so we'll, we'll find out like a producer, um, let's say, for example, Envoy, we've used some of his beats. Um, so we'll comb through a bunch of his beats and then see if we could, I see if I could create a hook or something that would be catchy enough for somebody to keep listening to. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a hook, but um, it can be. 
and then we just start writing. So like, again, we think about like, okay, how does this song feel like? What does it sound like this song is going to be? Um, so we kind of like put a theme on it mm-hmm. and then we write around that theme. Um, and it could take anywhere between like a few hours, maybe like th- maybe three hours to like finish a song or it could take like a, a bit a bit longer than that, especially with the verses, mm-hmm. with the rap verses. And then we record it. It gets the uh, it gets a once we once we get the recording right, then we then he mixes it or somebody mixes it properly, and then it gets mastered. And then then you gotta figure out how to put it out there, which is right now just social media and like our small circle of like influence. Um, and sometimes we even put like some um, some cover cover art. Mm-hmm. And uh, my girlfriend Jane, she actually like has done a lot of the, the cover art for her stuff. She's a really good artist. Um, and just like, well, yeah, we want this clown or something, like whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, we want this, uh, you know, raindrop or <laughs> whatever. And then we use it as the cover art and then release it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what uh, do you know? What software you use for recording? Like the vocals? Um, is it uh, Adobe? <laughs> no, wait, it's no. Audacity? No, it's not no. Audacity. Audacity is is like the free mm-hmm. open source one, right? Um, yeah. I forget what it was what it was called. Yeah, I I I completely forget. That's okay. <laughs> it's called, but yeah, no worries. Just just out of curious because I've just been dabbling in podcasting and I use right. GarageBand for this audio recording. Right. And uh, I have an idea of how I have a, yeah, I have an idea floating around the back of my head on I'd like to create my own intro, outro, different like sound effects that maybe I can incorporate down the road into this podcast. Cool. And because um, right now the intro song that I use for the podcast is just some free, license-free song that I downloaded off uh, YouTube. So I kind of fade in and out and do like the intro bio of who my guest is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've just downloaded a song on YouTube, but I'd like to create my own and have kind of my own flavor sound. Right. Um to, to add into that so just curious what kind of software and oh yeah the I'll, technical aspects I'll, I'll, I'll find out and i'll hook you up with, with, with yeah with the stuff yeah no that'd be great that sounds good awesome so that's a pretty cool process so you theme the song and then write around the theme yeah and then along the way um we, we analyze it well at least for me i analyze it a lot and try to refine it as much as possible i kind of look at it as like a product where it's uh, I'll do a drug reference right now. It'll be like um, the coca leaf, right? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to refine that it's something really prone to cocaine, mm-hmm. right? So to do that, I have to like analyze it and kind of refine it and make sure that you know its potency is going to be like really, really high. Like I want that Heisenberg <laughs> Breaking Bad type blue meth <laughs> as as like my song, right? Because if if it's not, then you know nobody's going to pay attention to it, like. The, the biggest thing is that the music is good and then everything else is like just, you know, falls behind that because, um, 
you know, you could have a, a good following or whatever, and then you have, like, a crappy song, and then, like, you know, it goes back to, like, why do you do this? Do you do this just to, like, have, like, a following or be famous or whatever? Which is fine for some people, right? Like, it's people have different whys. But for us, it's just, like, yeah, we need, we need to make this the best thing possible that it can be, and then, you know, then we'll gain a following from that, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it. And as a listener, I listen to the full, uh, the full, how many tracks was it? I think it was like released six. On iTunes? Six. Yeah. So six I listened to that several times over and, uh, it's pro man. It's pro. It's, <laughs> uh, I wasn't like, Oh, like I know that guy. And like, it sounds kind of amateurish. It's, it's yeah. their first time. I thought it was very professional and you guys put together that pure cocaine so it (laughs) it turned out really really slick and uh yeah it sounds awesome definitely encourage people to to check it out and listen to it because it's uh it's it's pro it's pro that's all i can say thanks man yeah you should listen to the stuff on soundcloud too because there's a lot uh, more stuff on there as well and um like uh do you know logic the rapper Mm -hmm. logic yeah um Andrew did uh, um, it's not a cover it's like he did a, like a remix where he used the beat uh, from 44 bars okay it's 44 I think it's called 44 bars by Logic yeah and then he just made his own version and he just writ- wrote all the lyrics which is like so many bars in a row <laughs> like so many bar- bars of rap in a row and it's like what really eh yeah yeah nice yeah I'd love to check that out and uh, is Logic part of Migos no no, that I'm getting mixed up. <laughs> people are like, people are yelling at this right now. If they're listening, to it, they're like, "Logic part of Migos?" No, Logic is a, uh, he's like a solo rapper. I think he was with Def Jam. I think he might still be with Def Jam. He's half black, half white, but he looks. White. Oh yes, Don't I know what you're talking about. But the nerd does not look like a rapper. No, if you really just be like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah it's like a skinny like, white dude. Yes, okay. well, it looks like a white dude, skinny white dude with like you know like those glasses, those. I don't know. <laughs> Those really nerdy glasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Does not. He's got a voice that doesn't sound like what you imagine he looks like. Yeah, yeah. I guess that would be accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's super sick, though. Yeah, he is. Yeah, my apologies uh, <laughs> on that mistake. <laughs> what if Logic was listening to this and he's like, "God damn, I'm not part of Migos." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Nice. Okay. Well, uh, let's. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on from that. So, uh, so what other things are you exploring right now that, um, is either on track or maybe something totally different than what, like in the music, dance scene, rap scene, what, uh, what are you currently working on? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to bring back the podcast that I had, uh, had going for a while. Um, it was called Cypher Talk and... It just pretty much came about by um, listening to Joe Rogan a lot. Yeah. I found Joe Rogan. <laughs> it sounds like a religion. I found Joe Rogan. <laughs> and now I see the light. Um, <laughs> so I, I pretty much uh, based it off kind of like that. It's like a free form podcast um, where I just interview people from the dancing mostly. Sometimes it's just uh, other, other stuff related. But because um, I was really curious about their story. I'm sure like you're, how you're curious about other people with this podcast yeah. um, and just like how they start dancing like you know, what do you think about the dance scene um, how, 
how do you think we can grow from what we are right now? And, you know, like, what do you see for the future? And, you know, all, all that, those kind of questions. Because I don't really, like, I know a lot of dancers, but I don't know them that well. So, and, you know, although it shouldn't be strange, it seems strange to, like, just talk to somebody for, like, an hour or two like get coffee and like, you know, I want to know about you. I'm like, they'll be like, why? <laughs> you know, like, you know, I'm curious, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and so I, this is one way that's a little bit easier to like ask people to like for, for the time and, and like, you know, ask them questions and then um, hopefully something in their story will help inspire somebody listening and maybe there's some tips or maybe there's something, you know, just to uplift people uh, maybe inspire them and just, you know, motivate them and educate them about some of the history that that doesn't get shown a lot, um, uh, just like in everyday life, right? So, and and part of, the, part of the reason why I want to bring Cypher Talk back was because it did inspire a, a cool documentary, which is I wanted to tell you about too. It's called Our Scene, the Movie, that uh, was made by Jeannie Buffo from Boss, uh, Boss Dance Crew and um, Quan, I don't know his last name, but everybody knows him as a video guy. Um, and they made this documentary on the Winnipeg dance scene, mm. which is super cool. Like It reaches back all the way to the 80s. Oh wow! Yeah, and is it li- like can is it live for people to watch or um, so still in the works? Of- there's gonna be a free screening at Muse Dance uh, Dance Studio on February sixteenth, I believe. Um, you guys can check out Muse M U S E. It's a dance studio in Winnipeg, um, and um, I think he's planning to release it just online, and you just like pay like seven bucks or something like that um, for the documentary. I wish it was going to be on Netflix. That would be cool. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he spent two years making this documentary. He interviewed a lot of people, including myself, but like a lot of people. And uh, and it's like, you know, it's a really cool, insightful look into the Winnipeg dance scene. Yeah. And let's let's dive into the Winnipeg dance scene a little bit since since you're on that. And then I want to co- come back to podcasting. Sure. But uh uh, just tell us about the Winnipeg dance scene for people that don't know that we even have one or, um, yeah. yeah what, what, what's your, what's your take on the, on the Winnipeg dance scene? Uh, the Winnipeg dance scene is pretty, it's pretty big now. Like, uh, I remember starting with just the, the choreography type stuff in like, like high school and like stuff. There was a couple of crews that were really prominent and now like, the style and everything are it's like spread to a lot of studios and there's a lot of dancers i think at one event uh in like recently not recently like well it was a couple years ago a few years ago there was like 500 like dancers at this event um uh, what was it called again i'm totally blanking but it was a it was, it was a big event um there's there's that which is good like the, the choreography scene is good with the urban choreography but the street dance scene with just some of the um, the freestylers and the variety of dance is kind of um, it's better, but it's still a little bit lacking, right? In my opinion, there should be a lot more house dancers, um, 
you know, people walking. It's a style. It's a funny stuff. <laughs> Everybody th- tells me it's a weird uh, name. Whacking. There should be a lot more crumpers. Like, there should be, like, all these different, like, there should be a lot more poppers, lockers. Um, but I think that's going to eventually come in time. Like, like me and uh, my buddy Mark, we just, we talk about this stuff all the time. And the scene is definitely better now for that than it was before. And it's easier to get in touch with people who want to learn that uh, who who uh, who are learning that who, who want to learn that style. So um, yeah, if if you guys are looking for a time to <laughs> to learn a certain dance style in Winnipeg, then all you have to do is like prob- pretty pretty much ask one person, and they'll direct you, or they'll know somebody, or whatever, and you'll you know get linked up, get into the network of it, and then you'll see like the bigger picture. So I think the scene is good. I, I still think there's there's room for growth because Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, man, like Toronto has a popping battle every week almost, which is ridiculous, right? We we have a popping battle every like seven years, <laughs> and it's like 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 one that I would like somebody internal has to like promote and like you know organize and everything. And it's more like like a showcase type thing. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of opportunity uh, to for growth and even to you know to bring in more dancers of different styles to come to the city and you know because it's right in the center mm-hmm. and you know compete. So I think that's gonna be some of the future stuff that I'm gonna look into and try to get seen bigger and you know grow it here because um, this is going back to the sesh grounds thing. There, I still think that there's a huge market in, like, the dancing, um, it, especially if you, like, compare it to skateboarding. Like, skateboarding was, like, you know, now it's, like, a, like if you just skateboarding shoes, there's, like, all this kind of stuff that's so associated with skateboarding, and it's a huge industry. Like, there's, like, attire and clothing and all that stuff. But with dance, for some reason, it's kind of, especially street dance, it's, like, not, like, fully formed yet. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyways, it's it's good, it's growing, and uh, it's just up to like some of the leaders here to keep pushing. Absolutely, and I think uh, looking at the various forms of dance, Winnipeg is extremely multicultural, and uh, I'll do a quick little plug on Winnipeg. So Winnipeg's very multicultural. We have in the summertime... Uh, if you want to get a taste for just, I guess, multiple ethnic background dances, we have a two-week festival called Folklorama that is in summertime, and it takes place all over the city of Winnipeg, and basically it's different uh, ethnicities that host their, uh, like, their, it's all centered around their their heritage, and then they have their types of dances, Um that's like a totally different like segue from like the hip hop dance scene in Winnipeg, but there's a lot of um, like ethnic dances that get showcased during that two week festival, which is awesome. And then you get to try the food, and uh, there's like memorabilia and everything that gets available for for purchase. But then also thinking of the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, um, they're regarded as one of the best in the world, and they recruit dancers from all over the world and uh very very high caliber 
dance um, dancing that comes out of the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. Um, so that's just two things that just popped into my mind that I thought uh, would be worth sharing for people that don't know much about Winnipeg. Yeah, and people forget that, uh, well, maybe people don't forget, but people have to realize that Winnipeg is a small city. Mm-hmm. So if you're comparing it to like Vancouver or some of the bigger cities, then yeah, maybe well, probably a lot of things are going to be like scaled down a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So um, like it's a great time to be in Winnipeg for dance and um, for culture too. Like there's just a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. So if you don't mind some cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some some Toronto dancer was uh, posted on Facebook about like wearing ripped jeans and like Toronto or something and there was it was cold or whatever and I was like you try doing that in Winnipeg <laughs> <laughs> your knees will fall off <laughs> yeah it's it's cold in the, in the winter if you want to come I recommend coming in the summertime but there's well, yeah, a summer ton of is, stuff summer is really nice though like it's like it gets super cold here but it also gets pretty warm like people forget about that absolutely it's yeah. super nice in the summertime yeah we have the 80 degree swing we got minus 40 and plus 40 uh it's uh it's a very <laughs> unique place bipolar <laughs> people <laughs> yeah exactly um so that's awesome what else uh oh going back to podcasting yeah um so good name cypher talk i love that yeah. talking about music and and what drew people to their background and um I just wanted to highlight one point that you mentioned about getting the chance to know people more and asking more questions. And I just want to touch on that because that's one one of the whys into why I started podcasting was I also found Joe Rogan and uh, really enjoyed listening to longer format podcasts. And I thought this was something that I would be able to do and would enjoy doing it. And it also gives me the opportunity, similar to how it does for, for you and Cypher Talk, to sit down with somebody face-to-face and then get to know them more and ask them questions and find out about their background info. And it's just an un- uninterrupted period of time with another person where you get to dig beneath the surface and that's one thing that I don't really like is surface level conversations and you know when you go into like a group of people and just like hey how's it going what do you do talk about the weather or whatever other min- mundane topic uh, usually gets discussed I just tend to shy away from that and I just want to get back into uh, just like quality over quantity and and really getting to know people better at a bel- below the uh the surface level and uh and I also think this also stems from going back to social media and the rise of just digital marketing we spend so much time on our phones and the the qual- like how much t- how much quality time are we as like on a macro level actually spending with people that we're not getting distracted or sidetracked from our phone and diving off into whatever. Just It's just a distraction, right? So it's nice to get to have some quality time with people. So I just had to highlight that. Yeah, for sure. And like with, with the podcasting or even just talking to people 
for a longer period of time and getting to know them uh, on a deeper level, it's, it's, it's like therapy too. Like sometimes if you feel bad or whatever and you just talk to somebody for a while, like oh, you feel way better. Um, and yeah, I think a, lo a lot of social media is just showing only your best side and never showing your worst side or, or, or some side that may not be so appealing to other people. And when you spend enough time with people, like either either in like an interview or like a podcast or just talking to somebody, you finally realize, oh, okay, this this person is like it's multifaceted. They're like you know, there's more sides to this person, um, and you know, it's just like a, almost like a support type thing too. So I think that's really important, especially with people growing up with just oh yeah, everybody else's life is still great. How come my life's not great, or I don't feel great in my life, or whatever. Because all you see on social media is just, you know... The highlight reel. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So no, absolutely. It's really yeah. important to have things like this, even if this wasn't even recorded. But and this is good, too, because I guess you, it'll reach a lot of people. And it'll be like... This is kind of a tangent, but it'll reach farther in time than anything else, right? So it's going to be like 50 years from now, somebody's listening to this. And, and you know, it's almost like a time capsule. So... It is, absolutely. So your kid or whatever, or whatever, your grandkid could be listening to this and be like, holy smokes, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know Grandpa Dean did that. <laughs> I didn't know he Harlem shaped and like, <laughs> doing the, <laughs> the crip walk or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, yeah, so that those two moves, crip walk and, or sea walk and the Harlem shake, those were the two dance moves that primarily... Uh, those were like my moves that I was kind of known for. Mm -hmm. And for those that, that don't know, um, I had a YouTube channel back in like 2006, right when YouTube started. Oh, and man. I... You could have been one of those huge YouTube <laughs> like dancer stars. <laughs> yeah, so I had a YouTube channel way back when, and I had a bunch of dance videos uploaded from from that period of time. It was basically like high school, and I just loved... Uh, and I think this is where, like, we just get along and, and find that similar passion in dance and music. I just love listening to music, wanted to dance, am not trained at all, but I just uh, just enjoyed dancing. And so I made a bunch of dance videos, put them up on YouTube. And I just recently got access to my YouTube account because I could not remember what email address and what oh. my password was. So I haven't had access for like 10 plus years. I just got access literally in December, right when I started this podcast. And I know some people that do share their podcasts on YouTube. And mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to do that. But I didn't want to create a new YouTube channel. And right. so anyways, uh, for anyone interested, if you want to have a laugh, feel free to check out my YouTube channel and check out some old dance videos. It's funny, but you like, you're really good. <laughs> Like it was, it was, it was really good. It's like what, like <laughs> this, this guy grew up around like like black people or something. Like what? Did, he grew up in like Harlem or whatever. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, I don't know where it comes from, but uh, I just I always liked dancing, and I think it was around around the time of like yeah high school in the '90s, just watching. You know, like Usher back in the day, I was like, God damn, that guy's got moves. And then Chris Brown Chris came Brown, out yeah. and that, 
I was just like, God damn, he just took it to another level. He was just crazy. And I'm a huge Chris Brown fan. I would love to see him live because I think he, he just, he's an entertainer through and through. Yeah. It's, um, it's insane. Um, I remember your story about Salah. Uh, you met Salah on the street. Where, where, where did you meet him again? Yeah. So for those who don't know, Sal- Salah is a uh, very famous dancer. And what, what would you say his style is? Just like he's a, um, he's a street performer. He does, but- he does popping um, animation. Uh, he is, he's, a, he's a thing they call PABE, P-A-B-E, Popping Animation Boogaloo and Effect. So he's... Um, I guess if you're if you're thinking about like a popper, he's more of like he's a popper, but he's um, one of those trick trickster kind of dancers, and he also does he, he also breaks he does do uh, b boying, but um, yeah, he's a overall dancer entertainer kind of dude from France. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I was in Australia, and oh, okay. I was in Sydney, I believe at the time and I was just walking down the street and then I just see Salah street performing and I was like oh snap this guy's on YouTube (laughs) and so I went over watched him and he was performing a routine with like the handkerchief or like Kleenex that he does where he like blows it into his hand and he does some cool stuff with uh he's just he's a very creative dancer and I was just a big fan so he finished his performance and uh yeah i just went up and talked to him and i just said yeah i'm a big fan i see you on youtube and i just really uh love your style of dance and that's basically all i wanted to say was just i'm, I'm a fan good like keep doing what you're doing and uh yeah it was really cool he was really nice so it was really cool meeting him that's crazy yeah i i almost I'll, okay, I'll say it. it's, it's kind of like a sensational headline, but I almost battled the twins. No way. But not, but not really. You're gonna hear the story. Um, so the twins are here in Winnipeg for the Beyonce um, yes. show. Yes. Yes. Back like a few years ago. A few years ago. Maybe yeah. three, four years ago, something like that. Yeah. And um, they went to opera at the time to like I don't know, just to like hang out and like after party type thing right yeah and I knew somebody that worked at opera but she didn't tell any of the dancers that the twins were gonna come there because the twins wanted to be like low-key or something yeah but still right like like um so I was upset because she never told any of the dancers yeah and I was I remember that night because I was already kind of like around that area yeah and uh I was just driving around or something but um yeah if if she had told anybody about that and we went there, yeah, it would like yeah, I could have been smoked by the twins. <laughs> <laughs> you could have had the honor of getting smoked by the yeah, twins. I got by the twins. <laughs> yeah, they are unreal. For those who don't know who they are, they're uh, twins and they're from France as well, I believe. Yeah. And uh, what is it, Larry and? Um, I don't I remember the other guy's name. Ah, uh, sorry, Lee Twins. But uh, <laughs> anyways, they're unreal. They're like my favorite dancers. And uh, they've been on Ellen and a number of other performances. I'll, I'll throw a video of Salah and uh, Lee Twins on on uh, this post because they're mesmerizing to, to watch dance. They're just, they're so clean. They're so clean. They're they're unreal. There's this, uh, there's this uh, <clears throat> uh, video of... 
one of them, I, I forget who it is, but they're interviewing him and he's pretty much killing the beat on this song. Um, the song is called Edit by Ants, I think. Yeah. Have you seen it? Oh. Where he's just killing yeah. the beat, but he's just like doing weird facial tics and, and stuff with his hands. and But he's like totally like murdering the beat. It's so insane. Um, it's just like another level of musicality and hearing the music because I wouldn't be able to even if I heard that song a thousand times I've heard that song quite a few times but I would never like approach it that certain way it's just something some some people have an unfair advantage in in how they listen to music and how they express it when they dance which is uh, something that I've also gone into when I've done those second talk podcasts it's like how do you how do you do that <laughs> right like yeah they dance with their face like they incorporate their face when they dance it's uh, unbelievable and Laurent is the other yeah uh, Larry and Laurent yeah and uh, yeah they're insane they're just insane <laughs> that's why they dance uh, with Beyonce right <laughs> they're they're the best they're unreal yeah that's that's so cool um. Are you are you gonna be getting into that uh, again, or is that just something that's like in your past or whatever? Good question. I think you're dance... re- you're really good, man. Like uh, it's not like it's funny to see you dancing because it's surprising, but it's also like oh crap, he's good. Like you have like all this potential, and <laughs> when I see people with like a lot of potential or even just a little bit of potential, I'm like yo, man, you guys should. Be... I try to encourage that as much as possible. Yeah, so. absolutely. No, that's a great question. I would love to get into dance and I'd love to learn how to do more styles of dance. Choreography is not my strong suit. So going back to um, around like high school, I guess, I also got into Debus and Cotillions. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, I was like the white guy that could dance, and I had a bunch of Filipino friends, and and so just tell people what a debu and cotillion is for those who don't know. Uh, it's pretty much when a girl turns eighteen, she has this birthday party, and the cotillion is pretty much um, a bunch of her usually her close friends, guys and girls who uh, do a number of dances. It could be like a waltz, uh, a salsa. And um, sometimes they say a modern one, which is like, like the choreography, urban choreography type stuff that they could incorporate. Um, so yeah, they just do so just uh, her and a bunch of her friends do a bunch of dances in front of like friends and family at this like social gathering party type thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautifully said. It is such a good time. It is a party, and I wish. Uh, I wish white people in other cultures like incorporated that like <laughs> celebration of uh, just when you turn eighteen. It is it was so much fun, and so I got to uh, I guess I got to learn a lot of chore- choreography through the debuts that I was involved with, and had so much fun doing. Yeah, we did waltzes, we did uh, like the modern, that was like my my favorite. And uh, so I got to dabble with like different genres, which which was great. And I think I'd love to do more hip hop dancing. I did go to a New York uh, 
is a big dance studio in Broadway New York. Dance Center? Yes, Broadway Dance Center, and did a, a hip hop class with uh, an instructor there. And who was it? Uh, you know what? I don't remember his name. It's a black guy. Um, Shows hard. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of black guys. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not sure. He was he was awesome, and we did a dance to Meek Mill's "Dreams and Nightmares." Okay. Uh, song, and that was the first time that I heard that song, and I was just like, "Man, I get amped listening to that song." That song just, just the way the flow of like Meek Mill, just it, uh, I don't know, it like pulls something out of me, and so I just want to go ham when I, when I listen to that song, dance wise, and uh, and then outside of that, I've done one class. Um, so I took that dance class and then I did one dance class in Winnipeg recently within the last like few months. I don't know if I texted you, uh, about that. It was a few months ago and it was, um, at one of the churches down in Osborne and it was a guy from Toronto that came down and, uh, and put it on. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but it oh. was a good, uh, class and we, dan- and we danced to, um, uh, what was Drake's song? Kiki, do you love me? Um, na, 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 na. In, in my feelings or something? In my feelings, that's it. So we did a dance <laughs> to that, which was fun. And uh, that was like the most recent time that I danced. But yeah, I'd love to get get back into it. And uh, I feel like you should you would be really good at Light Feet. Mm. Do you know anything about Light Feet? I know the song. <laughs> I know you got the light feet going, got the light feet. <laughs> it's like a, that's a throwback song, but no, what, what's I feel, uh, I light like, feet? Um, well, it's from the same area, I think, as um, like the Harlem Shake and stuff. Yeah. Because um, they incorporate the Harlem Shake in it. Um, it's just a lot of, well, I'll show you later, but yeah. I don't know how to describe it exactly because it's like very, it's very unique. So yeah, um, cool. yeah. I feel like it's right up your alley, and you like you already have something that you could refer to as like something in that style, mm-hmm. and um, it it seems like a lot of fun. I haven't. I tried to get into it a few years ago, but like, there's a lot of styles to, <laughs> to like cover. There so, is for sure. But yeah, yeah you would be. I think you'd be really good at that. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to try that out. The th- I like grapple with with dance though, because I, I've. I've gotten a lot of compliments over the year of like, oh yeah, you could dance. And so like when there's, I'm in like a club or like a dance situation, people want me to dance, Yeah. but I don't, I don't want to dance on command. So I grapple with like, no, like I, I'm going to dance when I want to dance. Yeah. And I've always kind of stayed true to myself in that sense of like, I no, like I, I want to dance on my terms. That's always kind of been... I don't know what, what that is about, if that's just, like, an inner, inner struggle, because I'm sure I've missed out on some opportunities to, like, bust, bust a move in front of family and friends. Yeah. But uh, I've kind of been stubborn in that sense that... I, I think that's good, though. Like, it means... Um, I want it to be special, so I don't yeah. want to just, like... Uh, yeah, I don't want to dance on command like a like a puppet i want to dance when i when i'm feeling like i want to dance that's when i'm gonna do it that's that's the best way to go about it too and i've had the same thing too right like i've been hired to like dance at like 
kind of just be like a party dancer at like a, a bar mitzvah type thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, it's good. It's a gig and everything. You get paid for it. Yeah. But I didn't enjoy it at all. Like, it was like, yeah, it's kind of like the thing that you're saying, dance on command type thing. And I'm like, I'm not really like that, you know? Like, if I feel something, that's the best time to dance. Like, if I do it just like, if I just go through the motions without like not feeling anything, then it's not going to come out as as good. Yeah, dance always to me has been uh, woof. Yeah, it's a it's an expression, but it's uh, it's how I'm feeling in that moment, and and how many drinks have I had? Also, like if I if I have had a couple okay. of drinks, yeah, you're probably gonna have a higher chance of me like busting a move, but uh, not too much so that it's a sloppy, <laughs> embarrassing dance. Yeah, we, uh, we've had discussions about this before. Uh, me and like like some of my like my crewmates and stuff, and just like, what's the good level of like alcohol <laughs> to like get loose, but not too loose where you feel weak or like all groggy or something yeah <laughs> and, exactly uh, there was one time we did a showcase and um it was me uh mark allison and mj and every like everybody except for me drank right before we performed and <laughs> they were like in some kind of like weird like headspace when they were dancing and after they're like yeah we shouldn't have drank before um <laughs> before our performance but i was like yeah like yeah that's why i didn't drink i guess oh but, yeah um, yeah yeah there's certainly there's, there's 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 a specific spot where you could like get get loose but not too loose and and uh and still perform pretty well yeah but, exactly yeah it depends on your tolerance i think for me the sweet spot is like two drinks because yeah. one is like uh okay but like two <laughs> think it's like okay now got more confidence <laughs> can go and bust a move so yeah that's awesome but yeah no i'd love to i'd love to explore more of the dance scene in in winnipeg and one thing because i know my wife's a dancer she found it frustrating coming when we moved back to winnipeg there wasn't that many drop-in dance places that you could go to in winnipeg um, just to like, you'd have to commit to more of a full season or like 10 plus classes or yeah. like, you know, you go to a dance studio, you pay whatever fees and you're like, you get into it. And there's a lot of those dance studios in Winnipeg that you can start at a young age and work your way up. But then once you kind of graduate from like yeah. whatever age that is and like the teens, post like when you're in your like early 20s and now into like adulthood and uh, there's a lot of millennials now wanting to still dance because they danced when they were younger I think uh, I think it's gotten better since we've got back there has been a number of places that have opened up and allowed uh, drop-in dance sessions for people that just don't want to commit to a full season or year of dance at one spot they just want to pick and choose and dabble at their convenience yeah there's um uh th- i think there's always been drop and dance uh programs but finding out about them was kind of hard or there wasn't they were like kind of sprinkled about in these long periods of time and uh now there's there's like more available um like drop and dance winnipeg i know they do a lot of drop and stuff even some of the the urban studios like the hip-hop studios there's there's a couple there's uh muse which just opened up uh this past like fall and uh live dance center which is 
has moved to I think they're on church right now, church uh, like Avenue or something, um, near like Key Waiting or something like that. Um, but yeah, uh, there's there's more stuff available now because like all those adults still uh, want to dance and everything, but it just doesn't fit their customer profile, I guess, uh, to like join a like like a studio like the in the traditional sense, right? Yeah. Where like you you sign up for like the whole year, and then you have a recital at the end or whatever. Um, that's right and I'm sure you know your wife is uh, familiar with that how that how that goes yeah yeah exactly yeah that's cool that's very cool yeah I think I think there is definitely a lot of uh, room for growth in the Winnipeg dance scene and I think it'll continue to evolve so that's that's super exciting uh, anything else that you want <clears throat> to cover and uh, and dive into um I'm super into MMA <laughs> I okay. like watching MMA yeah um Let's dig into it. Who who, who you who you follow and who are you excited about uh, currently? Well, um, I'm excited about. Who am I excited about? Jeez, there's um. Well, there's a fight with uh. There's a fighter who I love to hate. His name is John Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you know anything about him, but um, he like. He, like, failed a drug test or something, and then they allowed him to fight, but they moved the venue all over to another state. And uh, I don't know. I just don't – I don't like him. Like, I don't hate him, but, <laughs> like, I don't like the way he talks. Like, you know those people, like, where you I don't like this person. <laughs> <laughs> just rubs either I'm sure if I, if I saw him in real life, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'll, let's get a photo, you know? <laughs> you know, You know, but, but like but, – Let's get a drop speaking you now. This is John Jones, right? <laughs> but um, – yeah, I just don't. I, I don't like him. He's fighting. Um, uh, I think his name is Anthony Smith. I always forget his first name, but that should be a fight that's uh, um, super exciting. Um, yeah, I just like the U. I mostly watch UFC. I don't really watch uh, Bellator or some of the other promotions, but yeah, I'm super into it. It was funny because um, my cousin Tyrone had a, a wedding in September. And it was the same night as uh, Conor McGregor versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. And uh, um, somebody was, like, live streaming it on their phone or something and went, went like, oh, oh. And then I was, like, la, 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 covering my ears, just like, I don't want to know what is going on. And then um, I, and I, I recorded the, the, the event and at, at home on my DVR. And then uh, I just went I, I just went home and... And watch the fight afterwards, like it, and it was just yeah. It was I was like ah, oh, I really wanted to watch it live, but I'll have to settle watching it like after the fact. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm super into that, and uh, it's 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 fun for me. <laughs> what uh, what got you into UFC? Because I'm well, I'll talk about my uh, my interest in it after, uh-huh. but I'm just curious to see what 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 drew you into UFC. Um, it's interesting because I, I, I would see it on like satellite TV here and there, like in like the mid two thousands and even maybe in like the early two thousands when satellite TV was a thing where everybody was ripping off. Like it was like, it was kind of like this whole thing with satellite where people were getting like these, uh, uh, bootleg satellite things. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't really that interested in that point, which is weird. Um, and then... Um, they they came to Winnipeg for UFC 161, mm-hmm. and 
and then I watched a live event, right, with my uh, with my cousin Andrew, and and then I was like, oh, this is this is super cool. And then I got into it after that, and like so, something about that live event uh, was just like, whoa, this is you know, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, from there just went into it. And then there's like a side story with like one of the ring girls, octagon girls, and like <laughs> how I like met them and stuff, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, talking about uh, UFC 161. So <clears throat> at that time, I was working at Good Life Fitness and I was working downtown at the downtown gym on uh, Portage in Maine. They have in the TD building on the seventh floor, I believe. Mm-hmm. They have a Good Life gym down there. And I was working there at the time, and Dana White and Joe Rogan came oh. and worked out at the gym when I was working there oh. <laughs> and a bunch Crazy. of different trainers, uh, like personal trainers that worked a good life and, uh, and people that were there were big fans and everyone was going around taking photos or whatever. I wasn't into the UFC at that time. I also had not discovered Joe Rogan yet, uh, his podcast at the time. So I was just like, oh, that's the guy from Fear Factor. Yeah, everybody was like that. That's the right? Fear Factor guy. Yeah, yeah, that's Fear Factor guy. So Eat the balls. Eat them. <laughs> yeah. Five, four. <laughs> yeah, so I was just like, why are people like, oh, actually, no, I got it. UFC was uh, getting bigger and bigger. I'd recognize both those guys. So I was just like, yeah, cool, but I didn't go over, take a photo or whatever. Now, listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, I'm a big fan of his podcast. One of his inspirations for me starting this podcast is Joe Rogan. And um, so I wish I did go over and and, uh, just, I wish I was a fan of his podcast or discovered him when he came and I would have had the opportunity to go and say hi or congratulate him or whatever. So um, anyways, that that's just a little side story that they came in and, and worked out at, at the gym that I worked at <laughs> at the time, which is really cool. That's sick. Yeah. And I know for me, I was not into the UFC when at first I was a late... Uh, I'm still like late into getting into it, but mm-hmm. I, I like Conor McGregor. He is just a entertainer and I watched his documentary Notorious not yeah, long ago which is so good and you know nothing you know absolutely nothing <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's just he's he's uh, yeah he's just a unicorn he's so interesting and uh, very talented and the psychological warfare that he plays is something that I'm really interested in just watching like I've watched some you know, when they do the weigh-ins and they're face-to-face and mm-hmm. he just, he looks into his opponent's eyes and just tries to fish out whatever weakness yeah. he can. He's got a killer stare down. I love that about him. And just the psychological warfare warfare that he, he does on his opponents is awesome. And visualization. And I just, I love and want to dive into more research on the importance of visualizing any goals that you have and the life that you want to create for yourself all starts with if you can master your mind. I just think it's so cool. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that really was compelling uh, with him was, and it's, it's, he has a great story as well because he was he was pretty much on welfare for mm-hmm. like the longest time mm-hmm. until he like got to the UFC and you know uh, started making all that money. Yeah, but 
Yeah, and, and, and his visualization type thing, uh, especially with the Nate Diaz fight, the first fight he lost. And then after that, he I think he had like a photo or something, like something that would help him visualize him beating Nate Diaz. And then he ended up beating him yeah. on the second fight. Um, and yeah, the, 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 the trash talk and stuff is just entertainment for me. <laughs> it is. Because like, yeah. like uh, there's some people who can pull it off and it doesn't like... It's, it's entertaining and other people pull it off and it just sounds kind of not their style or not authentic or it's like kind of phony or like, you know just kind of pandering um, but yeah I really like uh, him I don't appreciate him throwing that dolly <laughs> but yeah <laughs> that was crazy yeah but um, yeah definitely an interesting person and I think he he kind of like uh, not, I don't want to say save the UFC but he's definitely one of the big stars that attracted a lot of like eyes towards it, especially with um, when Ronda kind of like fell out and like Ronda Rousey f- fell out and you know John Jones wasn't able to fight for like for a while or so, or all that kind of stuff. So yeah, McGregor's cool. I like Khabib too, but uh, <laughs> he's yeah. just a beast. He's he's there to just run a train on everyone basically he I, just dominates i was tripping out when i saw daniel carmier in real life because <laughs> uh um there was another event that was uh ufc came here for mm-hmm. a fight night uh, i think the headlining fight was robbie lawler versus rafael de Sanos. and uh, daniel carmier was one of the commentators mm-hmm. and then we went up close to what like to, to them because they're doing some kind of um post-fight analysis type thing and I'm like oh it's Daniel Cormier look he's not that much taller than me <laughs> but he's like built like a tank and like, look he's wearing Jordans and you know you know yeah. I was just I, 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 I really like Daniel Cormier because he doesn't look like um, he's like a teddy bear that can like <laughs> kick your ass <laughs> and uh, also he fights John Jones and like you know he's lost to him twice but um, I don't know I like Daniel Cormier he's a seems like a really cool cool dude and i like his fighting style so yeah i know for me i like and this is uh more of a testament to joe rogan is um jujitsu and that's mm. actually something that i have been more recently considering getting into is jujitsu i've never never and anyone who knew, knows me growing up like i am not a fighter at all like i like anybody that like I know or had like when I run into people I give them a hug like I'm uh I'm I'm a hugger yeah yeah maybe a grappler yeah exactly maybe that'll be my strength if I do jiu-jitsu will be grappling but I did wrestling in grade 12 at uh in high school and I actually really enjoyed it and I was it was damn near impossible to flip me over on my back like I was really solid at just staying like starfishing out on the ground and it was really really hard for people to to flip me over um but I definitely don't have that inner fight like I'm not fighting for like these grinders in like yeah. the UFC like they're fighting for their life and they're like they come from like a hard background like I'm like a suburban white kid that had like pretty good upbringing <laughs> like yeah. I don't I don't have like those inner demons that that some of these guys just really right. that's have, their outlet you don't have a chip <laughs> on your shoulder and have to prove no. anything to 
But like I, I, I can see it the other way where it's if it's jujitsu, it's, it's just like a game, right? So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, a game that yeah. you play, and then you know if you lose, you just you know you, you tap or whatever. Um, one of my uh, uh, my cousins, she has a, a husband who's like heavily into jujitsu. Okay, and he's like. From what I see in the videos that he posts, he's really good. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want a reference or something, I don't know. I, I think they're like as far as what I've heard about jujitsu is that the the environment and like the atmosphere is really like welcoming and super chill and all that. So um, it's something that I thought about getting into as well. Uh, but yeah, I could I could hook you up and say like this guy wants to start and whatever and he wants to roll and yeah. everything. So. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I just I. Yeah, I just want to. I want to be humbled, and I want to learn how to choke somebody out. <laughs> well, well, not just that, but I just I want to learn self defense. So if I do get ever in a situation that I need to defend myself, I've from what I've heard, I've never like witnessed any jujitsu or like seen it firsthand. But from what I've heard, it's just it's it's good for self defense and. Uh, and I and I like that aspect <clears throat> of it. I'm not in there like I don't want to go in there and just like like kick somebody's ass. Like I'm not there yeah. to learn that. I'm learn. I'm uh, I I would want to go into it to just learn self defense, learn some skills. And I like the aspect when Joe talks about different. Uh, like you can get a small person that's really good at jujitsu against a bigger person, and they're able to defend themselves. And yeah. so like the size. You don't have to be like a one-on-one equal uh, weight size. You could just be like super skilled and be able to defend yourself uh, against people that are larger than you. Yeah, uh, basically. And, and there's also like um, it's not as hard as like boxing. Like if you want to box and do sparring, I mean you could do boxing and do classes and hit mitts and stuff like that, which is fun. Yeah, uh, it's cool, but um, like you're not. Like if you if you start sparring in boxing and any other like striking sports, then there's a you know you get concussions and it's not really good for your brain all no. that kind of stuff. But with jujitsu, you just like you just tap or um, and you. I think most of the time, from what I hear, again, I I haven't done jujitsu. Is that like people are super chill and like if you tap right away, they 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 let it go. Right, it's not like. Mm-hmm. Um, some crazy like <laughs> fight club type stuff yeah yeah for so. sure yeah that's awesome yeah that's man, cool. you should do that that'd be cool yeah i think it would be just a cool skill to learn and killer workout like killer cardio and uh <laughs> and you're just using your brain and your body in a different way right like you said like there's like puzzles and you're just trying to figure out how do i unlock this puzzle so i i recently got into rock climbing while like in the last couple of years mm-hmm. and love rock climbing it is such a cool sport or activity whatever you want to call it it's uh you just look at a wall and there's just these like problems to solve and it's just you you use muscles that you haven't used before and you move your body in weird ways that you don't normally in everyday situations and it's a killer workout and the culture uh from the people that i've just the been around in um the culture is great 
everyone's very welcoming and supportive and they learn from other people when you watch other people climbing it's just it's super super cool if you ever want to go rock climbing let me know i don't know if that's anything that you'd be interested in but rock climbing is awesome looks cool like um yeah there's a lot of these activities that um um that look really interesting and I'm actually thinking, and I've always, I've, I've, I've thought about this in the back of my mind a lot, <laughs> and at some point, I'm like, oh, I'll try this, and then stop doing it, and I'll try it again, is uh, is breaking. So I, mm. I, I think, I was watching actually some tutorials last night, um, some b-boy tutorials, and I'm like, you know what, I could see how I could get good at this with like some kind of pro- progression or some kind of like, uh, you know, analytic, analytical mindset where it's like, okay, I'll do just this for like a month and then learn how to do this really well. And then like, then now I learn the next skill and the next skill. Um, and it's exciting to learn something new and then, you know, have that challenge and, and with jujitsu or even rock climbing and have that kind of like environment where, you know, everybody's supportive because people know what you're kind of going through is like, okay, I got to scale this wall or whatever, or I got to, you know, everybody deals with like the struggle. So I guess that's what unites people when, they do these things, so absolutely. And struggle's good. Struggle, good. struggle equals growth. I think yeah. it just uh, if you struggle, you're just like trying to figure out something. And sometimes it's good to like trudge through the sludge than walk on the sidewalk and observe. <laughs> you know, it's good to it's good to struggle can be good. And and I think you learn a lot from from struggling through something. Yeah, you definitely learn a lot about your character and and uh, how you are or maybe what your tendencies are mm-hmm. or some of your faults and you're like, okay, well, I got to fix this because it, it exposes things, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's what failures did there. I mean, uh, you know, without going into like some Tony Robbins type stuff, it's just like you're going to deal with failure. It's like how you deal, like how you deal with it and, you know, um, what you take out of it is what's like really important absolutely that's when the test uh starts is when things get hard yeah i I try to keep that in the back of my mind when things like when something's like happening like uh that's just challenging and i'm like okay well here's the test like how do you react and you know the sometimes you fail and sometimes you pass the test but i think if you like keep learning then the more times that there's like a test that's about to happen, hopefully um, you learn from the previous failure and you just like, you move through it in a more graceful manner. Yeah. And what would life be without any tests or any like struggle? It'd just be kind of boring. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. why I think heaven is a weird concept to wrap my head around. Like if you're like, oh yeah, everything's good. Every- I mean, like... Um, it's, it's different when you're thinking about like uh, if, you, if you visualize something you struggle at it then you win at the end like you get the victory at the end but if there's no like struggle and you just win at everything like that's kind of I don't know it's, it's, it's a weird thing to think about but yeah, yeah that's another thing <laughs> yeah yeah no totally it is absolutely um, any, anything else you want to dive into Um, I think it's kind of naturally coming to an end, but you know, I've really enjoyed this 
talk and I, th- I, I hope I can be on here more often and um, hopefully you get into like light feet and jujitsu and you know all that kind of stuff um, I think this actually has been really productive it's like oh cool what are you doing oh I'm doing this oh cool what are you doing oh cool I'm doing this oh what do you want to do I want to do this oh you, you do okay that's cool and then, then, then you just then we, then we're eventually going to do it and they're like oh awesome and then you know yeah we can talk about it next time yeah absolutely yeah I uh, it, it yeah podcasting is so fun because it gets uh, it gets gives me the opportunity to catch up with people that haven't been able to catch up with in a while I can't remember the last time that we hung out it's been yeah. like years so it's uh it's super nice to be able to catch up with you and, and uh oh definitely want to do a round two hopefully soon within like we got a lot of stuff both looking we're, we're looking forward to i think 2019 is yeah. going to be a good year for for both of us so yeah. um yeah i just say you know kudos up to everything that you've accomplished up to up to this point and i think you got a lot of really exciting stuff moving forward and uh yeah looking forward to doing a round two with you thanks man um i just want to say to everybody that dean has been like the best guy ever (laughs) (laughs) no because like one of the things that um it's gonna get a little little bit mushy here but like one of the things that i look fondly to like uh in in retrospect it was like oh yeah i met dean at red river college like if i didn't go to college then i wouldn't have met dean and he's a super nice dude and i don't know every time i i i talk with him he's you know i come away after and just feel you know feel good and you know and he's always smiling so (laughs) (laughs) thanks man i definitely smile a lot that's uh i think that came from both both my mom and dad they were always smiling so um, he's good company. He's definitely good company. You guys, that whole thing with like associating with like people who are like have good vibes and everything. Yeah, Dean is definitely one of those guys for sure. <laughs> Thanks, so. buddy. Appreciate it. Likewise, and we got a lot of uh, lot of similar interests and and uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's been really great getting to know you. And you've always surprised me with everything that you've um, accomplished outside of college and just from dance to rapping to everything in between and outside of that uh so i'm really excited to just see what what you continue to evolve and and do so thank you again for for the time this ended on a beautiful mushy note and uh yeah for (laughs) sure hopefully we can do around uh around two sometime so thanks for for coming on the show sweet Hi guys, Dean again. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. If you enjoyed it, please hit that subscribe button and leave a review. I'd love to hear your feedback on what your favorite part was, areas that you wished we would have dug deeper into, and any other thing that you could think of. So leave a review and also head over to www.simpletounderstand.com where you can find relevant show notes and links to anything that we discussed in the episode. And that's pretty much it. So thanks for taking the time to uh, listen to this conversation and stay tuned for my next guest, which will be airing out very shortly. Looking forward to uh, 
continuing to do this. And I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you guys. Really appreciate all the feedback that I have received up to this point and looking forward to getting more down the road. So enjoy, have a great day, and until next time, take care.